Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Happy Friday Eve. Happy Thursday to you, Carrie Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, CD. Good morning, Sir, how are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> Ready for three great hours of sports talk here. We're going to talk to John Kelly later in the show. Craig Mish joins us from Miami. A lot of uh, smoke surrounding a cardinal pursuit of right-hander Pablo Lopez. So we'll talk to Craig about that and also Jeremy Rutherford later on in the show. No Greg Amzinger today because he's actually flying to St. Louis and he'll join us here in studio Tomorrow, in the nine o'clock hour, for for a good period of time, yeah. we're gonna have a good 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 time with uh, Mr. Amzinger tomorrow. That's all the questions we have that our hearts desire. No doubt about it. <laughs> the Blues are back in action tonight. They take on Nishfield, the Predators, over at Enterprise Center, six o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario and Joe Vitale. Uh, why don't we just call that the Italian show or something, Ferrario? Okay. And, okay. You know, right? It's, uh, I, I, told, I told Alex the other day he looked like a young Italian stallion. Yeah, right? he, he, he was right. Rocky Balboa. <laughs> he cut his beard off. I said, I, I didn't realize it was him at first. I was like, oh, it's Alex. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, the text line number, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you have a name... For our pregame show, which right now is just called the pregame show, I believe. But it's got two Italian guys. So if you have a name for it, I think that uh, we would appreciate it if you can think of one right off the top of your head. Rocchio is thinking because he's an Italian guy. He should produce that show. I also just, I, I'm just kicking myself for never once realizing that it was two Italian guys on the pregame show. I never, I, for some, I know, I somehow <laughs> never, like, in my mind, I was like, I always say it, Ferrario and Joey Vitale, and it never, like, hit me, like, oh, we could have some fun with that, and I could get away with it. Oh, yeah, you can, because <laughs> your name ends in a vowel. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday in practice, Jake Neighbors had moved up to the number two line for Craig Berube, so what will Neighbors' role be here in the next couple of games? He's going to get in there and battle down low and work. He's going to be around the net. Competitive on pucks. That's Jake Neighbors. Playing a good physical game, eh? Hey. Hey. There's a, there's a, a State Farm joke or commercial there. Jake from State Farm, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Oh, I am, I am, listen, call me for all your marketing wow. advice, Jake. I got you. You need me. Listen, mm-hmm. I, if anyone from State Farm is listening, you got Jake. He's a neighbor. He's all tied in one. So once he starts playing well, 
I don't want much. Just if, if anything, Jake, just put me in a commercial. I can be an extra. I maybe have a line, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, there's a there's a commercial here. A, a pen and the NHL needs to work on their marketing as it as it as it is. You know, there's a commercial here locally. Whatever so, we want to do, local State Farm uh, agents get in, get in touch with Jake. Or Kerry call Davis. me, and I'll help yeah. you get in touch with him. Kerry Davis got a great education at Hazelwood Central and a great education at the University of Illinois. But there are some things you just can't teach. Yeah. And that <laughs> is one of them. <laughs> hey, I'm here for you. The man's got an IMDb page for a reason. <laughs> so I, I certainly have questioned. I think it's fair for all Blues fans to question whether or not this team can make a run and get into the playoffs and have success in the playoffs. Coach Bruby, what say you? Well, I, well, yeah, I think we were on a pretty good run. Uh, came home, we beat Calgary. Next, the next game, you know, it's a tight game. It's one-one, and we made a couple mistakes. Like that could have been an overtime game and a point there, or maybe two. Didn't I? Didn't think we played well enough against Tampa Bay. Um, then we beat Ottawa. So um, coming off that road trip, we had a good trip. So we are pushing in the right direction, I believe. Yes. At times, I would say. But you know what happens when teams don't make the playoffs? It's a product of making a couple of mistakes that cost you a point. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, a mistake here, a mistake there. It, it, you want to? That's that's probably one of the frustrating things. Most frustrating things is when you just miss the playoffs, and then you look back at your schedule and you see, oh man, we we blew that game, or oh man, we 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 missed an opportunity there. There are games when you look back and say, eh, wish we could have had that one uh-huh. over. And so that's why that's why I'm so adamant about taking care of the business as it as it's presented to you while it's in front of you. You got to make sure you win those games and, and the tough games, the close games, you make sure you win those especially. You'll have the pregame tonight at 6 o'clock and the action at 7 here on 101 ESPN College Basketball. Last night, Billikens were in Chicago taking on Loyola of Chicago. They got 18 points from Javante Perkins. He was terrific. Yuri Collins turned in six assists. Gibson Jimmerman had a seven-assist game, and the Bills, who were down early in the second half, pulled away for a 76-59 over the ra- win over the Ramblers, who are, uh, yeah, good, good win. Uh, Ramblers, uh, two things. Number one, they're kind of scuffling. They're uh, six and twelve, and uh, they're in last place in the A10. Not what they used to be. They also have these ridiculous jerseys that say <laughs> apostrophe blurs B L E R S. That'll make you a six and twelve team when you when you decide your nickname is the, the blurs. Is it Ram blurs? They just yeah. the blurs. The blurs. Maybe maybe because it is is it written in italics, so it's like it's a, like cursive. A, yeah. Okay. Well, the the, the 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 premise there is they're going to be running so fast you're not going to be able to see, see them. it anyway. There's a there there there's a blur. I <laughs> thought that they should have had the letters blurry. Would have been more that effective. Might, there you go. Yeah. There, see? So we're giving all type of marketing advice this morning. Yeah, good win for St. Louis <laughs> University. First place now in the A10, tied for first in the A10. So that's a good thing. And your Mizzou Tigers were down by about a half dozen with three minutes left. They come back and knock off Arkansas, 79-76. Arkansas was number 25 in the country. 
and Missouri had lost to them at Arkansas, comes back to Columbia and beat them 79-76. Mizzou kind of back on the beam offensively. They actually earned my, my pullover today. I'm wearing a <laughs> M-I-Z-Z-O-U pullover. Man, both Slough and Mizzou, just, if you, I was not expecting either of the second halves from either of those no. teams after the first halves, especially offensively from Mizzou. I was, I was like, well, it's another one of those games, isn't it, when they're just, they're just not going to have that that aspect of the, of the offense that makes it really click. Mm-hmm. And yet both those teams, the second half, just rolled. There's a lot of bad things about the transfer portal, but if, if you're a Mizzou basketball fan right now, you should really like the transfer you portal. You should. You should be excited. Yeah. I mean, they, they've they gone out and gotten a lot of guys added to that program. Uh, Coach Gates has those guys playing well. You were saying that one of your friends uh, has a friend that's a referee and, yeah. and talked about how the progression of his team from last year, they weren't really good, then well, they're not, not that they're the bad. Christmas time, they were okay. <laughs> and then by the end of the year, oh, this team is really good. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, he has a philosophy, he has a style that I think these guys, these young guys play, like to play in, and they're having a lot of success. Yeah, so I kind of think that they might wind up, if you go 500, a game over, I guess two games over 500 in the SEC, is that tournament worthy, you think? Well, they're going to be, I mean, they should be right now jumping back in into the, 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 the top 25. Yeah. In, this, in this SEC, and, and so, yeah, I think so. I yeah. think if they can, you know, sustain that level, top twenty-five-ish play, you know, top thirty-five, I think you'll be. I think they'll be making it into the tournament. When I mean, you think about Kentucky, I mean, Kentucky's kind of in a bad year now, but Alabama, Arkansas, I mean, there's, there's the SEC is a quality conference. There's a, I mean, you've got what three top ten teams yeah. right now. So yeah, it's if you are playing five hundred ball right now. Let's see, you've got uh, Bama number four, you've got uh, Tennessee number nine, and then. Um, Let's see. Auburn has fallen off to number 16 in the country. But you also have, uh, you had Arkansas at number 25. Yeah. So you have four top 10, top 25 teams. So, yeah, Mizzou has a chance. They just need to keep playing like they played last night. And they're gritty and they're tough. Football, we have all of the divisional round action this weekend. And actually, we have the doubleheader on Sunday. Bills and Bengals at 1.30. And then the Niners and Cowboys at 5.30. We will not have the Saturday games because we have Blues Blackhawks. Here on 101 ESPN, but this is—I uh, think, Carrie, this is shaping up as a weekend for the home teams. And last year, I think it was the road teams had a remarkable level of success. I, I just really like the home field advantages that this weekend. I like San Francisco yeah. at home, and they're really good with their building and and their turf. So I like them. I like Kansas City at home. Uh, I like Philadelphia at home against the Giants, and I obviously like Buffalo whenever they're home. Well, I think the Buffalo Cincinnati game is going to be the the matchup of it's the matchup of, of the weekend. You know, watching those two teams that didn't get to play a couple of weeks ago, finally getting back on the field. We talked about the emotional response that you're going to get from that crowd. Uh, if Demar Hamlin is in attendance, he was he's reported been at the facility again I mean it's it's inevitable he's going to yeah. show up on on Sunday around 145 when they're doing the pregame introductions mm-hmm. and everyone is going to lose their mind so <laughs> I think it's going to be I, I, you got to turn in tune in just to see if that takes place because that place is going to be extremely loud it's going to be awesome and one of the, yes, I was going to tell you, you forgot. You went over the basketball matchups. Mm-hmm. You talked about Mizzou. You talked about SLU. But you forgot the biggest matchup of them all tonight. Tonight, you've got 
the Lindenwood Lions against Southern Indiana. There it is. It is an 8 o'clock tip-off at the Highland Center. It's such a big game that Amsinger's coming to town for it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you've got Duke, North Carolina, and then right behind that, <laughs> you've got Lindenwood and Southern Indiana. I'm going to be there for that tilt. And as Rock said, throw the records out the window you because do. this is a this is a battle amongst two, two behemoths. So yeah. These guys are going to go at it. Go after one hey, another. I'm a Mizzou fan. Southern, Southern Indiana is not messing around their first year in D1. They no, gave, they gave no, Mizzou like 80 points. Right. And it's gonna, gonna be. We're gonna handle them. Let's get it. That's, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I want to hear the, hear all about it. See, oh, yeah. see the score. Check it out. I want to see what's going on. Believe me, you're gonna get a scouting report whether you want it or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's for all of us. That's not just me. <laughs> I, know. I know. And uh, finally, usually you blow a playoff game after being up 27 to nothing, and there's going to be changes on a staff. And yesterday, the Chargers announced that. There are going to be changes on their staff, getting rid of their quarterback coach and their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, who, by the way, is Vince Lombardi's grandson. Well, Staley says he was never worried about his job being in jeopardy. What's that say, though? Well, let's hear from Staley first. No, Bill. No. Um, I a lot of confidence, Bill, in, in, in how we do things here and what we've been able to accomplish. Um, and that's the truth. And everybody that's been around me on a day-to-day basis knows that. And... I am aware of the speculation, you know, because I have to be briefed of it, you know, to be prepared for guys like you, um, you know, and, and I do have a family, so I understand that, um, that cares about me, but um, I'm not, I was not worried about that because um, I know what goes on here on a day-to-day basis, and um, I know what we have in our locker room, I know what's out on that field, and uh, I'm excited to keep going. And Kerry, mm. I, I just, I, I go back to 1998 where St. Louis and yours truly couldn't wait for the Rams to fire Dick Vermeil. Couldn't wait <laughs> for Dick Vermeil to be gone. And he wasn't, and he came back for a third year, and that turned out to be pretty good. I think sometimes we are in such a microwave society that we don't want to give coaches an opportunity to implement a system. Well, as I have told you before, I, I pay when people talk, it's certain phrases that they say that kind of gives you a window into the, that coaches generally don't open up and give you a window. Guys like you, Bill, like that is a mm-hmm. that's an insecure man and, and not man, but insecure mm-hmm. coach. He's insecure in what he's doing. And he knows that people are only asking questions about whether or not you should be fired. Randy, do people ask you that if you're doing well at your job? No. They generally ask, hey, are you going to stay because you're going to do well? I had a coach tell me the other day, if you want a coach to stay in college, he has to be mediocre. Because if he's really bad, he's going to get fired. And if he's really good, he's going to leave. So generally, mediocre is right (laughs) where it keeps you your job. And so Brandon Staley, I I don't know if he's mediocre in terms of NFL terms, but he is – the fact that we have to ask this question, the fact that you had a 27-point lead, the fact that you have blown uh, opportunity after opportunity, made poor decisions, you didn't make let your team get into the playoffs last year because you made a poor decision, you, you almost blew a game in Cleveland to the backup quarterback because you made a poor decision and your wide receiver was at home injured, tweeting, what the hell are we doing? There are real questions associated with him as a head coach. I don't think, I don't know if he's a bad person, but... He's an insecure football coach. But I don't think, A, there, there's two things. I don't, I don't think when you hire, a, and assistants take over all the time, and they have a command. But a lot of times, an inexperienced head coach, 
take some time to learn. The other part of this is he probably never felt threatened because he knew that the Spanos family wasn't going to pay him to not coach. They're already paying Anthony Lynn to not coach. They're going to pay two guys to not not that family. Anthony, They're going to pay two guys to not be their head coach. Anthony Lynn had some had some had a statement as well talking about organizations and uh, <laughs> where mm-hmm. he's at yeah. now compared to where he's been. Uh, yeah, you you. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was interest, interesting that they fired other coaches. That's generally a sign of a coach that is, you know, he's up next. Yep. If you're if you have to start firing coordinators or, or position coaches, generally means you're you're out the door next because you're trying to find a scapegoat. Or they told you you need to get some rid of some people and bring some new people in. And the reality of the situation is, you lose your left tackle and your center and both wide receivers. That might have an effect on the quality of your offensive play. Maybe they should have taken a look at all of the mitigating circumstances rather than just the coordinators. Kerry, Randy, it is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. We're off and running and coming up, we want your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. We've got Sick of It next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gary Davis, Matthew Rocky, Randy Carricker. It is time for Sick of It here on 101 ESPN. The Air Comfort Service text line is open at 314-399-9646. 314-399-9646. And uh, CD, I know that I shouldn't do this, but it's Uh-oh. getting kind of sad. <laughs> getting kind of sad, okay? Uh, because we, we do like, we're in the content business, Yes, right? we are. We're in, we're in the, the content business. Kerry, I, I am sick of the Lakers losing because it's getting just so boring. <laughs> they lost to the Sacramento Kings, for God's sakes, last night, 116-111. to 111. And it was fun for a while. It was fun to laugh about. But now I'm kind of sick of it. You're sick of seeing them lose. Every, yeah. It, it, LeBron is going to pass Kareem on a game that he loses yeah. uh, in a Laker uniform. Now that's going to make some people sick. Mm-hmm. And and he's there's been talks of trade for LeBron. They're not trading him till after he... Uh, he passes this record. You know what? I'm, I'm sick of Randy Carriker's hatred of DeMontis Sabonis. I think he's a solid big man with good, <laughs> oh. with good bloodline. Hey, oh, 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 Come on, Kerry. Is he better than his father? Oh, we'll, we, we'll, we'll, we got to keep going. We'll never know. Yeah. We, we, we do know. We will never, a Sabonis? We'll no. never know. Rock. Can we have a can we have a take? Can we have a, I'm sick. You know what I'm sick of? Yeah. I am sick. Why is that a crazy take? basketball takes? <laughs> well, the, I'm sick of it. Here's a, here's the thing, Kerry. <laughs> I just got that right now. Yeah. He is not better than his yeah. father. When you it, don't give me a number on a screen. Kerry, here's the thing. <laughs> with, here, here's the thing with, with kids these days. Kids these days, oh, Randy. It, if it didn't happen after 2000, it, it didn't, didn't happen. happen. There you go. All right. <laughs> Just saying his dad, when he got to the NBA, was compromised with his knees and he was okay prior to his prior to his his NBA career he was one of the best <laughs> basketball players okay. in the world right? to, to your text 314 399-9646 <laughs> but it didn't happen because it was pre-2000 <laughs> Man, sorry about that thank you no. <laughs> 
You know, credit for even knowing Arvidas Sabonis in the history. You know, you guys think I hate him. Oh, I don't know my where. God. <laughs> I'm sick of having to pay 100 bucks a month just to have a cable package with my regional sports. Why can't all sports just be on a simple app? Here's the thing. Yeah. You got to pay players. That's what it comes down to. It's When you're paying for ballet sports, you're paying for Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. That's just part and parcel of sports in 2022. I might start. Maybe I'll get rid of my uh, cable package during the offseason. Maybe that that's the move. Save some money. You only need it. Well, I only need it because I can watch everything else on apps. You can watch you can. every pretty much every sport. And that's all I watch, you know, on apps. So it doesn't matter. I'm with you on that one. Sick of Cardinals fans complaining the Phillies hadn't made the playoffs in 13 years before this past season. It could be way worse. But there is a school of thought out there that the Cardinals should be in the World Series every single year. And then if they don't win the World Series, then there's going to be a school of thought that they should win the World Series every year. I, I, I think that people in general that don't appreciate what the Cardinals have been able to accomplish since the DeWitt ownership took over, I don't think they realize how difficult what they have done is, let alone winning championships mm-hmm. every year. To go every year and not have a losing record and make the playoffs 80% of the time, 75% of the time, it's a pretty hard thing to do in baseball. Once you, I mean, the, the, the objective obviously is to get into the playoffs. And once you get in, anything can happen. I mean, we, we talk about the Phillies game. Anything happened. Like we didn't it expect did. Ryan Helsley to to lose filling in his finger and uh, and be unable to grip the ball properly and throw it in the strike zone. We didn't expect uh, Quintana to be taken out in that moment and you know kind of have the the spiraling effect of what he- what happened after that. You you never know. Um, you got to get in and and they've been in now. But here's the thing, Randy. Then this is why I'm also adamant about paying stars. You don't. You know, you, you pay stars for for regular season, okay, for the entirety mm-hmm. of the season. But you, the stars make their money in October, in the playoffs for for football. You make your money in January. Dak, you're getting paid a hundred of uh, uh, forty five fifty million dollars a year. It's not for September. It's for January mm-hmm. for you to do what you did last weekend. That's why you pay your stars, and that's why you have to have multiple stars because. Those guys are the ones that, when it's the when the lights are the brightest, they show up. But it better be the right stars, right? It, it has to be. Because I mean, the Yankees it, clearly haven't had the right guys. The Dodgers haven't had the right guys. Well, I, I I would argue that they're not really stars. I mean, I think Aaron Judge is a star, but mm-hmm. I, I think Garrett Cole. When it comes down to it, it you have to have those guys. That, Justin Berlander mm-hmm. is a star. Yeah, you, you pay that guy for the postseason. But Kerry, I do look at the. The Braves of mm-hmm. 2021, they have Freeman, but otherwise, it was a, a bunch of young players. It was a bunch of players that were physically able to withstand the rigors of the six-month season and the, the seventh month that's October. Were, how many were ascending stars? Acuna yeah. was hurt. Acuna was out. He was out. Riley was ascending. He's, a, he's an ascending. Swanson nope. was a pretty good player. He's not uh, a star, but but Austin Riley Acuna is a stud. star, but he was injured. He, he missed... Yep. The pretty much the whole season yep. after he got that was an ACL injury. What yeah, did he tear? Yeah, that was Acuna, yeah. Acuna, yeah, Acuna. But then they had a new outfield, yeah, because they acquired a new outfield at the trade deadline. So they, I, I could argue that Freeman and uh, and Riley at yeah. that point, and by the way, young pitching that was ready to go in in October. 
I'm sick of going into work and smelling a guy 100 feet away from me. He's bathing in his cologne. <laughs> 100 feet away. <laughs> wow. Yeah, say the word. <laughs> you a cologne guy, CD? Yeah, I do. I, 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 there's a, a, a certain... What's your scent? There's a level... Well, I, I like... I have, I have a lot of different things. I, there's one... Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's Creed, but it's the gold bottle. It is absolutely amazing. So we were going to an event last weekend, and like, my wife... Like Apollo yeah. Creed. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. Uh, my, my wife was searching under my sink in the bathroom. She said, didn't I buy you some polo cologne? I said, yeah, it's somewhere. Get it out of the bottles all dusty and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Yeah. So I, I, you can handle me from 100 feet away, sir. <laughs> I hope. Um, you guys tell me. Am I okay? Yeah, you're good. It's not the other side of the coin here. Either. I don't work going to work. I... Every no, now I, I mean, but sometimes I people do, sometimes. do wear their yeah. body odor to work. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, uh-huh. I don't work. I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah. work going to work. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not wasting on you people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not. We're, we're not, not worried. We're, we're good with that too. <laughs> we're not. Could you imagine if one of us came in here just just cologne <laughs> this room? <laughs> this guy would suck. <laughs> would you say something like, "Hey"? Carrie, we totally would. Somebody, (laughs) two people would. If if one person wore cologne, we'd both be. Randy would be like a complete dummy thing. Like we have a blues segment at seven, uh, like eight fifteen, be like. So here's the thing: we actually don't have a blues guest today. Carrie, we got to talk to you, and we're gonna do it on the air. Complete ambush. Do the call out. Just completely call him out. Yes, I like it. We used to have a guy that walked through the studio at night, man. Before we, or sometimes he was backup guy. And the body odor was enormous. Really? It was really, it was really bad. Yeah. Wow. Mm. I'm, I'm sick of the Cardinals' obsession with, quote, unquote, when they are healthy players. Let's trade for a pitcher who hasn't thrown more than 20 games but once in five years. Welcome to Major League Baseball. Yeah, the Cardinals are the only team who does this, by the way, guys. Yeah. You don't think the, the Dodgers are hoping for health from Clayton Kershaw and hoping to get Walker Bueller back Randy, their this training year? staff was like had their legs kicked up the entire season last year. They weren't they, they, no one got hurt. <laughs> they were fine. Yeah. Uh even Philadelphia. I mean Philadelphia is gonna start the season. Well, we're hoping that Bryce Harper can get healthy. Right, and, and yeah. we're we're hoping that we can keep our pitching staff. For God's sakes, they signed Craig Kimbrell, I think. Uh so the, the every team in baseball deals with injuries. And try to think of a pitcher, I guess Max Scherzer's the one, try to think of a pitcher that hasn't had an arm injury. Yeah. I mean, if you've been around for four or five years, you've Chances had an injury. Are, yeah. Probably had Tommy yeah. John. Yep. So, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. All the hosts also, we got a, we got a suggestion from the 573. Let's take uh, it. CD and Randy put, up, put it up on a poll. Rock's take on the NBA is ridiculous. I'm going to say this right now, and I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't care, I don't I, care know, why we, I bother with this one. We should put up a poll. <laughs> I don't care about the is opinions. Is Kobe a top 10 player? Uh, ask and ye shall receive, <laughs> gentlemen. All right, so I'm going to go. Uh, is, that's, uh, is that the question? Or is, is our, it something that Rock's... NBA takes absurd, yeah. r- ridiculous. Uh, I, I don't think we should be so negative. No, I, I, I was going to need give it a little more. Yeah. Give, give some options. Expert on the quality so, of the Soviet Premier League back in 1990. Well, I, I mean, I was born in '81, and I know that Arvidas Sabonis was a hell of a basketball player at, during his career. And if, I, I, you know, think his son would tell you he was better than than he is as well. But, okay, so the question right, here. He stands right. five inches taller than him. Oh, <laughs> now we're I've, now now we're gonna go because he's if taller. If I was Demond, no, if I was Demondis, I would just keep my mouth shut if anybody <laughs> asked me that question. My dad's five inches taller than me and forty pounds heavier. Okay, so uh, here's the, the question. USSR. The the question is, 
what do you think of uh, Rock's NBA takes? The answers are going to be either choice one, solid, or what CD? You get to pick the other word. Horrendous. Okay. <laughs> horrendous or horrific? Horrific. You, you like horrendous better? Oh, yes. Got it. Okay. <laughs> And this will last uh, for the rest of the show. So that's two and a half hours. And this is going to be on the Twitter machine. I will have it on my Twitter, at Randy Character. <laughs> I'll, re- I'll retweet it. Okay, Rock is going to retweet it. That's a good thing. Uh, and we Make sure have... Make so I can at least get a follower yeah. or two from this. We have tweeted. Here we go. Uh, hop on your Twitter machine and vote on this poll. And the question again is, what do you think of Rock's NBA takes... Uh, solid or horrendous. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, speaking of injuries, Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson are trying to battle back from them. What are they thinking right now as we are in late January here on 101 ESPN? You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. NFL playoff games this weekend at 3.30 on Saturday afternoon. The Chiefs are a nine-point favorite at home over the Jaguars. That game will be followed by the Giants at Philadelphia, where the Eagles are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Then the early game on Sunday, 2 o'clock. Bengals at Bills. Buffalo favored by five-and-a-half. And then the Cowboys will be at San Francisco. Niners favored by four in that one. CD, you are going to be busy. I'm going to make you busy for three of these four games. I'm going to only allow you to pick one to watch. What's it going to be? It's Cincinnati Buffalo, and it's not even close. I, I think the Dallas San Francisco game will be a good game, um, but that Cincinnati Buffalo game has a lot more meaning to it based on, as I said, what took place. You know, just a couple of weeks ago when those two teams were supposed to face off and weren't able to finish the game, uh, the the Demar Hamlin. Um, incident where he went down and and went into cardiac arrest and didn't, you know, we didn't know what was going to come out of that. And to see how he's recovered, to see how this team has bounced back, to see how really the whole football community has bounced back and, and, you know, was was really thrilled to see him healthy. That game has so much so much meaning on it and it and they're also playing for an opportunity to go to the AFC championship game. And so you add all of those things together I, I don't know if, if if you asked anyone if they could only watch one game this weekend, I think it would be that game as well. Vegas is really good at what they do. I'm surprised that Buffalo's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I think this game's going to be closer. As a matter of fact, of all of the underdogs this weekend, and the closest line is San Francisco favored by four over Dallas, I think the Bengals are the road team with the best chance to win. The Bengals had some... some Offensive line injuries, Jonah Williams went out in that game. Those are going to be questions. If those guys are are back healthy, if they can get some of those guys back in and and be healthy and make sure they can protect Joe Burrow, yeah. But if not, it's going to be a long day. They're going to have to get the ball out quicker than probably they would like to um, and maybe lean on the run game, give give Joe Mixon a few more runs than than they have throughout this, ty- this entire season. And, Kerry, I'm looking at the Buffalo offense. I'm convinced that Josh Allen is going to throw it to the Bengals at least once. Yeah. And as well as their running game performed against Miami – 
I think that Cincinnati's defense is really set up to defend the Buffalo running game. I, I think that they're going to force Allen to throw more than they're probably thinking they're going to have to throw. Yeah, if he has to, if he, if Josh Allen throws it to the opposing team as as he had as he did last week, uh, you're going to put yourself in a position. Joe Burrow is not. Tage Thompson is that the quarterback last week uh, for Miami? Skyler Thompson. Skyler Tage Thompson, Thompson is a former is a blue for the Sabers. Yeah, he plays just as well. <laughs> Skyler Thompson. Yeah. Um, if you're turning the ball over to Skyler Thompson, it's not the same as turning mm-hmm. it over to Joe Burrow and that and that Bengal offense. And so, what you'll see from this Bengal offense, if they're getting multiple opportunities, is probably scoring more touchdowns, which will uh, make this game a, a little bit different than what Vegas thinks it is. Josh Allen has to protect the football, both throwing it and running it, because he he put it on the ground three times last week, or put it on the ground once and threw two picks. Um, you're going to have to take care of the football to make sure that they have a chance to win this game. Kerry, I know that I have recency bias here, but I would not be surprised, and this is just me talking and probably not talking logically, but I would not be surprised if the Giants gave the Eagles a run for their money. Now, the Eagles, with Tua healthy, are a different team. I don't know if Lane Johnson's going to be in there for them, but... The way that they performed offensively against Minnesota last week, and Minnesota's defense is not what Philadelphia's mm-hmm. defense is. I understand that. But would I be surprised if they were able to get 85, 95 yards out of Saquon Barkley and then another 250-yard passing, 50-yard rushing day out of Daniel Jones? I would not be surprised if... I, I would be surprised if the Giants would win the game. But if I would not be surprised if it's a three- or a seven-point game. They are probably the... The one road team that I think has a has the best chance. I know the Bengals have a really good chance, but if you are just comparing them versus the Eagles, a division rival, you know, they've lost to the Eagles twice this year already. Jalen Hurts coming off of an injury, still maybe not as healthy as he was or needs to be. There are and Daniel Jones and that and that giant offense playing extremely well. That may be the game where you look at it and say, wow. I didn't see the Giants winning that game and mm-hmm. doing that in that fashion. Um, I think the Eagles are clear in a way, by far and clear, the best team in this game. But it, it all rides on this on this shoulder of Jalen Hurts. If he's able to, if he's healthy and, and playing at the way he was playing earlier in the season, the, the New York Giants don't have a chance. But if, if he's still a little bit banged up, they can stay in this game. And by the way, the two times the teams did play late in the season, Philly at New York put up 48. They won 48-22. And then with the compromise to a Philly won the last game of the regular season, 22-16. to The other two games, not that they aren't compelling, but I think that that line for Kansas City is safe. The nine-point spread that you have there. I, I like Kansas City to cover in that one. And then the Cowboys at San Francisco. I, I really think that one of the reasons the line is what it is is because so much money comes in on the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Dallas can't play at San Francisco. They aren't going to. They, they aren't going to go in there and attack that defense the way that they were able to attack the Tampa Bay defense on Monday night. I, I don't think so. I think you know the way that the 49ers run the ball, the way that they have they have so many weapons, so many ways to get guys the ball. I, their play action, <laughs> their their. Mm-hmm. What they do, how they roll out, and and you know create opportunities for so many different guys, it's going to be difficult for the the Dallas Cowboys to try to stop them with their defense and offensively. You know, hey, if Dak Prescott is throwing the ball again to the opposing team, mm-hmm. he, he had a. Here's what happened in that game against Tampa, which I 
when I saw it going on, I was like, it's going to be a long night for for the Dallas Cowboys. Their first two drives, I want to say he threw seven, six passes, five or six passes, and they didn't get two, they didn't get a first down on their first two drives. If you do that against this San Francisco 49ers team, you start out three and out, you get another drive three and out, you may be down by 10 by the time you get to your third possession. The Buccaneers didn't have a chance because offensively they 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 just stink. But this San Francisco 49ers team, if you're not getting yards and, or flipping the field as the Cowboys, this 49ers team is going to take the ball. They're going to score. They're going to put pressure mm-hmm. on you defensively. And it's going to be a tough game for you to try to get out, dig out of a hole. Tyron Smith is a borderline Hall of Fame left tackle. He's playing right tackle now for he the is. Cowboys. And they got a 40-year-old, 41. How old is Jason? Yeah, Jason Peters, 41. 41. Yeah, my yeah. age. Yeah. Still playing. Watch if if you like to just watch the game within the game, watch Nick Bosa destroy Tyron Smith no. on Sunday. <laughs> See, how, it might not be, be pretty. It, it it might not be, it, but if it if it gets ugly quickly, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a long day for Dak and those guys. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. That is today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Blues in action tonight. We'll preview it with John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues. Next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Blues continue their homestand tonight. The Nashville Predators in town. It's a 7 o'clock face-off. You'll hear the game here on 101 ESPN. If you're driving around and if you're at home, you can see it on Bally Sports. John Kelly will have the call. And uh, I believe Jamie Rivers is going to join J.K. tonight because Darren Pang was on the West Coast and is going to have trouble getting home. J.K. is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. How are you? Good. Am I right about your analyst tonight? You are right. He, he 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 hails from Ottawa, Ontario, so it could be either guy. But you know, it's actually it's actually Jamie tonight because Panger was in San Jose last night. So you're right. Hey, let's uh, touch on the, this Nashville team because over the last couple of years, they've really become one of the more physical teams in the league, haven't they? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, they have, Randy, and, and they've given the Blues problems the last couple of years. I know the Blues had that big win last year on Easter Sunday, and the Blues won in overtime the last time they met. So this is a huge game. I mean, the Blues are a point behind the Predators. The Blues are only four points out of a playoff spot. And with three games to go on the homestand, uh, tonight against the Preds, Saturday against Chicago, and then Buffalo comes in next Tuesday, you know, you got to think, Randy, at worst, that this team needs to win two of three, if not all three. So um, wins are important, especially wins against a team that's only a point ahead of you. Hey, John, what have you seen from Jake Neighbors? He's gotten uh, moved up to the second line, uh, had a good game uh, last time out versus the Senators. What have you seen from him that, is, uh, that has been impressing you? Well, I think that he's a more confident player, and he's using his speed. And I, I know in talking to Jake early in the year, Kerry, um, one of the things he wanted to focus on coming into training camp, and he was hurt in the summer, so he couldn't have a sort of a normal workout summer. He didn't go to the World Junior Championships is his, the coaches wanted him to possess the puck more and, and make plays and things like that. Because uh, the one thing that really sticks out to me with Jake Neighbors 
is his hockey sense. He's a smart player. So, you know, he tends to make the right play. If there's not a, a you know, a east-west play to be made, he'll, he'll make the simple play and get it in deep and go hunt it down. But I think in particular, aside from that, uh, making plays is his speed. And he's scoring some goals off the rush. I know his goal the other night was, you know, going to the net and making a, a nice play on the feet from Kelly Rosen. But I just think he's a more confident player. And every week and every month that he's in the NHL, he looks more and more comfortable and looks like an NHLer. But it's not an easy process. Uh, these young players coming up, you know, sometimes they have to go up and down multiple times and um, sit out games and things like that. Um, but to find your way and to be a regular, especially a top nine forward in this league, and that's what his goal is, it's not an easy process. And, John, I, I like that number two line with Shen centering neighbors and Buchnevich. You've got the, the all-around skill of Buchnevich. You've got the, the grit and the ter- determination of Raiden Shen, who kind of drags people into the fight, and then neighbors who's blossoming into that sort of a player. I really like that combo. I do, too. And, you know, he really looks up to Braden Shen. I believe he had, had been living with Braden and his family for a while. I'm not sure if he is still there. So, in a way, he's his mentor, Randy. So, so that's a good thing. So, he, he's, a, he's a really good prospect. I mean, he had a fight the other night, as we saw, and handled himself very well against Parker Kelly and um, has done a really good job. So, um, very impressive so far. And, it, it, again, and he's only 20 years old, so it's a, it, it's a long ways to go. For, for him, and obviously has a lot of growth. Hey, uh, we saw that the, the line of Thomas, Cairo, and, and Bucinavis was broken up, I think, during the game versus the Senators. What did, what came about or what caused that, and, and how does that how is that going to help those guys and Thomas and Cairo get going just a little bit more? Well, you, uh, Kerry, obviously you'd have to ask the coach why he broke him up. It happened in the game, and, and my, my guess is that he didn't like the, the flow of the game, and that's what he does when he doesn't like the way things are going for his team is, you know, that's really all a coach can do. He can, you know, he can bench players or he can mix up the lines. In this case, he mixed up the lines. And, you know, I think the, the one thing that that line tends to do and that, that doesn't really appeal to the coach is they play two East West. And, you know, sometimes as we have said, you know, you, you love to score off the rush and obviously Cairo with his great speed and, you know, Butchnevich has good speed and great skill along with Thomas. They want to score off the rush, of course, like any skilled line, but sometimes it's not there. And, and I think sometimes they do overpass and try to play two east-west. So my guess is they weren't playing directly enough, and, and that's why he made the change in addition to not seeing what he liked overall from his team game. Does that change? I mean, if you're if, if Kairou and, and those guys are, are naturally east-west players, does that change, you know, force them to be more direct guys? Because that seems to be what Barubi wants from this hockey club. Well, I would think it would, right, Kerry? I mean, if, if lines are changed and things happen, and, um, you know, I guarantee these players watch a lot of video every single day with the coaches. So, I mean, they know the way they want them to play. Um, but hockey is a game of, of motion and, and things happen. Um, it's not scripted like football or even basketball. Um, sometimes players get into bad habits. But I think when Cairo plays, especially Cairo plays the north-south game, and uses his speed, he, he's a more effective player. But, you know, the young guys had a really good season, and, and overall I think they have to be pleased with his development. Um, but like any young player, and even Robert Thomas, who has a little more experience, of course his first year was 18-19, even he, he can fall into that trap of, of overpassing and, and not playing a direct enough game. Hey, John, as we get older, we realize that time really flies. <laughs> 
Ten hmm. years ago tonight, Vladimir Tarasenko made his NHL debut. Randy, I was just on the phone, and I saw that on my, my Twitter feed. And he scored two goals against Detroit, um, a breakaway goal in the first period, and then in the second he, he walked around, I think, a couple of Red Wings and scored. And it really does seem like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And But as you said, it was 10 years ago. Um, it was a lockout season, and the Blues had a short camp. So we really didn't get to see – much of Tarasenko because, Randy, I don't believe they played any preseason games. If they did, they only played one or two. So Tarasenko that night at Enterprise Center was obviously a first-round pick that we, we knew that had a lot of skill and talent, but it was sort of an unveiling party that night, and he really shocked us with those great plays. Any idea as to when he'll be back? It seems like sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, he's skating and shooting the puck really well. So, I mean, the coach keeps saying – soon so what does soon mean does that mean this weekend does it mean tuesday against buffalo um i don't know so you know i would hope it's before the end of the homestand randy but obviously it's up to him and how it feels hey uh, what about o'reilly have you heard anything about him in in terms of his uh, injury and when he can be back no i haven't heard anything carrie but last week i was um in the locker room and that was the the day actually saturday when they had the hall of fame and Ryan was there, and he was on crutches. So, I mean, if that's any indication, he's not close, right? Yeah. So they said six weeks, and that was on New Year's Eve. So that would be mid-February, right? So, you know, after the Blues winter break, which is coming up at the end of the month. So, yeah, he's not even close, quite honestly. John Kelly, always good to talk to you. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned in tonight. Bally Sports, you, you and Jamie Rivers for the Blues and the Predators. Okay. Thanks, guys, for having me. Take care. That's the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, here on 101 ESPN. Man, I can't believe. By the way, one other note, talk about time flying. That game against Detroit, Vladdy scores the two goals, was also the night that Stan Musial died. Wow. And it doesn't seem like he's been gone for 10 years. No. So not at all. It's, it, time flies. It That's does. All, all we can say. <laughs> Young people, understand, time flies. Enjoy it. Coming up next, uh, we've got the fight. A year has flown by since somebody made the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Is that right, Matthew? Uh, that's right, Randy. It was, it was exactly a year ago today. I need to lighten 2022. things up 2022. Wow, how about that? I know, right? When was your year anniversary? Did we miss it? It's is next it? week. No, it, it, is it today? It's today. Today was my first day shadowing Grant uh-huh. and learning. My first official day, just all solo, was the 24th. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. We'll, we'll, it's we'll been do an this again next year. week. Appreciate it. Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very Happy much. Happy anniversary. Appreciate it. It's been, been <laughs> an absolutely incredible year. Uh, speaking of the incredible year that Matthew has enjoyed, uh, there is a Twitter poll up right now. Randy Carricker at Rock ESPN. What do you think of Rock's... NBA takes uh, 30.2% of you are saying solid. 69.8% of you are saying horrendous. Rock, how many friends do you have texting in? Somewhere. Uh, probably a lot. Somewhere, <laughs> some, I'm some, guessing like at least 50 right now. <laughs> Somewhere Frank Cusimano saying what happened this year. <laughs> the fight is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker!
to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Charlie. Charlie, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, Kerry. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Are you ready for the fight today? I am excited for it. All right, excited. All right, well, here we go. Let's get right into it. Which NFL franchise owns the record for consecutive playoff appearances in the Super Bowl era? The New England Patriots, the Indianapolis Colts, or the Kansas City Chiefs? Hmm. I will say the the New England Patriots. Happy birthday to Otis O.J. Anderson. O.J. revitalized his career after his trade to the Giants and eventually won a Super Bowl MVP. Which team did he and the Giants beat in that Super Bowl which he won the MVP in? Was it the Cincinnati Bengals, the Denver Broncos, or the Buffalo Bills? was the Buffalo Bills. All right, Charlie, who was the last U.S.-born player to win the MVP from the NBA? Is it Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, or James Harden? Wait, repeat that question, please, Kerry. Who was the last U.S.-born player to win the NBA MVP award? Is it Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, or James Harden? Uh, I got to go with LeBron. All right, and which NFL team is the most recent wild card team to appear in a Super Bowl? Is that the Philadelphia Eagles, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or the San Francisco 49ers? That's obviously appearing in the Super Bowl as a wild card team, I should say. In case case that was confusing. Um, I think it was Philadelphia. I'll go with the Eagles. We'll double check the score and we will bring in Randy Carricker. How you feeling, Charlie? Very lukewarm, Kerry. Is there anything NBA is not my deal? Is there anything that when it's lukewarm it's it's pleasant? No. I don't know. Nah. Nah, 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 lukewarm. Really. <laughs> lukewarm is not good. A, a, a swimming pool? Eh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. swimming. You can yeah, go swimming. Okay. okay. That's, that, you don't I, want it to I'm be really too. Just, I, I'm really just playing to listen to Randy's, you know, the way he breaks down every question and answer. <laughs> he, he does an amazing job. I, I don't know. When did this start for you, Randy? This knowledge of, of sports. I, I'm intrigued by that. So when I was a kid, we had two newspapers in St. Louis. We had the Globe Democrat in the morning, and the Post-Dispatch was an afternoon newspaper. Okay. And my mom subscribed to both of those. Plus, there were like half a dozen sports magazines. St. Louis-based Sporting News, Sports Illustrated, Inside Sports, Sport, Football and Baseball Digest. And she got all of those for me, and I read them cover to cover. One of the reasons I was bad in school because I was reading the Globe <laughs> Democrat sports page in the morning, and so and, and I do have a pretty decent level of retention. So for a long time, I've had a ton of knowledge that's gone into my brain and probably retained maybe fifteen percent of it. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what that's where it started. I'm glad to know that. Now we know where it started and how we how we got to this point. Mm-hmm. Are you ready, Randy? Say hello to Charlie. Charlie, good morning. How are you doing? I'm well, Randy. How are you, bud? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it.
My buddy Larry Baden, who's a professor at uh, at Webster, uh, we used to just sit and talk sports. We spent four years taking Russian and got to page thirty nine <laughs> in four years uh, because we were talking sports and playing like uh, paper football. You yeah. know where you get the football yeah. on the edge. Yeah. That's what we did in uh, Russian class. Eh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there we go, Randy. Which NFL franchise owns the record for consecutive playoff appearances in the Super Bowl era? This is okay. So it's not an active. It's the Patriots. It's Brady. It's not the Patriots. It's Brady. <laughs> Brady owns the record. It's not the Patriots. It, I think they did 11. So we're going with the Patriots? Yeah. With Tom Brady? Tom Brady. Okay. Randy, happy birthday to Otis O.J. Anderson. My man. O.J. revitalized <laughs> his man. career after his trade to the Giants and eventually won a Super Bowl MVP. Which team did he and the Giants beat in that Super Bowl which he won the MVP in? So after the NFC Championship game in San Francisco, Bill Parcells gets on the plane. They'd already moved, by the way. The Giants had already moved all of their furniture down to Tampa. Really? Isn't that amazing? Wow. During the week, because they were so convinced they were going to get win the game. And uh, <laughs> uh, Parcells gets on the plane, and Ron Earhart, the offensive coordinator, is there, sitting in the front row, where across from Parcells. And Parcells says only one thing. He says, Shorten the game. <laughs> you shorten the game against Buffalo yeah. because you don't care what they do to you through the air if Thurman Thomas can't run the ball. There you go. And so you wanted to get it so that you held on to the football against Buffalo. It was the Buffalo Bills. And OJ carried the ball, and they would, man, run the play clock down every single time Jeff Hostetler was a quarterback. And it was an absolutely brilliant game plan for the, the Giants against the Bills. And then it was Scott Norwood, wide right. Heartbreaking. Yeah. All right, Randy, who was the last U.S.-born player to win the NBA MVP? Is Jokic from the USA? Because he won last year. Probably The last U.S.-born. I know, I'm just wondering if he's... Okay. I think it might have been James Harden. Go with him. Was he U.S.-born? I'll go with Harden. Which NFL team is the most recent team to appear in the Super Bowl as a wild card team? Most recent wild card team um, probably wasn't last year with the Rams and uh, whoever they beat in that Super Bowl last year. Cincinnati. No, they were not a wild card team. Uh, Matthew, why don't, for the sake of time, I do the lifeline here. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Tampa mm-hmm. Bay Buccaneers, or the San Francisco 49ers? Okay, the Eagles were really good. The Buccaneers were really good. Okay, the, so the last one to appear, the Niners in 2019. Um, You know what? I think the Rams might have won the division in 2019. And the the Niners got to the Super Bowl. So I am going to go with the 2019 San Francisco 49ers. All right, we have a winner of this fight. It was a closer one than I expected. Was Charlie able to leg one out, or did Randy Carricker continue his new little streak into a new year as we pass the 52-week mark, 365-day mark since the last Hall of Famer? Ring that bell. 
the winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Charlie. Randy just beat you. He wins this one 3-2. to two. Oh, that's a shocker. Yeah, <laughs> it was a close one. <laughs> it was a close one here, Charlie. It's been an impressive year. <laughs> there it is. Thank you very much, Charlie. The team with the mo- record for consecutive playoff appearances was, in fact, the New England Patriots, and it was only Tom Brady because they didn't make the Patriots that one year where he wasn't the quarterback. 0-9-19, 11 straight years was the New England Patriots with the record. And then oh, what happened when he left? Uh, they didn't make the Patriots. They didn't make, didn't the, make playoffs. the playoffs. No. Um, the Buffalo Bills were the team that fell to MVP Otis Anderson and the New York Giants. Obviously, they shortened the game. They did just had a record for the Super Bowl with time of possession. They, they That was the directive, and the offense coordinator followed up. Whitney Houston National anthem game. There you go. Best we- best national anthem ever. ever. You last US born player to win an MVP award. It was 5 years ago when James Harden won. It since then it has gone Giannis Giannis, Jokic Jokic, neither of them born in the United States. <laughs> and the most recent wild card team to appear in the Super Bowl was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were second mm. in the NFC South when they went 11-5 and five and then went on to win the Super Bowl two years ago. Wow. They were the fifth seed as a wild card, the most recent wild card. Did New Orleans win that division? And then win in a Super Bowl. They I believe New Orleans did. Must have been Drew Brees. How about that? And so a 3-2 win for Randy. Thank you, Charlie, for joining the show and joining the fight. Hey, thank you, guys. Terry, by the way, you're, you're a great addition to this. and. We're not missing a beat with Michelle going. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yep, thank you. Charlie, thanks for tuning in. Coming up next, do the Cardinals really have a chance to get Pablo Lopez from the Miami Marlins? Craig Mish, one of our buddies and guy that's more tied in with the Marlins than anybody, will tell us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And a lot of talk over the course of the last several weeks, reported by Derek Gould at stltoday.com and Ken Rosenthal most recently, that the Cardinals are in discussions with the Miami Marlins about right-hander Pablo Lopez. Who better to talk about the Marlins, especially because it has to do with the Cardinals, than our friend Craig Mish of MLB Network, Miami Herald, the Swings and Mishes podcast, and all things Marlins. Good morning, Craig. How you doing? Good morning, Randy and Carrie. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We always uh, like like to have you with us. Let's start with this, especially on the heels of the Marlins signing Johnny Cueto. Are they motivated to move Pablo Lopez, and could it be to St. Louis? Well, I mean, they're motivated to add to their starting lineup, and if that means trading Pablo Lopez, then I think it's a possibility. But you know, again, the deal has to be right. They they value Lopez very much, so. He's uh, one of the anchors of their rotation and a reliable guy on the mound. So um, could be the Cardinals, sure. I mean, it could be a handful of other teams as well. But, you know, time is running short here as far as doing a deal perhaps before opening day. And so I think from Miami's perspective, at some point they have to decide whether or not it's worth it in terms of the return. And then if not, maybe circle back on this at some point uh, this summer. But for now, they still are testing the waters. And listening to offers, you're proposing other trade offers as well. And, you know, obviously St. Louis is a good fit in this deal. It's just a matter of if they can line up for a trade. What elements are the Marlins looking for? What, what do they need to, what holes do they need to fill if they're going to part with a guy of Lopez ability? 
Well, I, I mean, I think, Randy, the first thing is, is an everyday player. They'd like to acquire someone with some pop. Uh, you know, there's, you know, there's definitely holes on the team in terms of offense, and they could use, I, I think, at the very minimum, one player that could bat somewhere in the two, three, four, five hole in that lineup. And so if that was a possibility for the Cardinals to give up something like that, I think that, you know, that could be engaged. But, you know, as far as looking for players in addition to that, it would be players that could help them on the everyday roster of this year. They've had some inquiries as far as their starting pitching is concerned, Randy, to acquire players that could help them in the future. But I feel like that's the kind of deal that they would do in July or August, and I don't think that's really in the mix right now. If they're going to trade Lopez now, it appears to me they'd want somebody back that can help them and start immediately for them every day. Hey, Craig, we know the, the NL East is stacked and they have a, a lot of few great teams at the top. What are the realistic expectations for Skip in his first season as manager? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think that you know, publicly they'll put on you know, the best face possible here, Kerry, because I think that they want to improve off last year and they can make in, uh, significant improvements in terms of themselves. And I think that's probably what you're going to hear a lot from Skip as we get closer to the season is let's worry about us and let's not worry about everyone else. Let's keep our guys healthy. Let's not worry about anything else. And I think if that happens, realistically speaking, I don't think that, Kerry, you're going to find a projection with the Marlins much over 500 this season. So, I mean, for them to, you know, they can dream that they could win 90 games or 85 games or somewhere along those lines, but almost everything would have to go right, I think, for that to happen. So, realistically speaking, if the club was to make a 10- or 15-game improvement, get over 500. I mean, I think that's a reasonable expectation for them. But beyond that, a lot of things, again, would have to go in their favor, given the fact that there are three teams in the division that are clearly, in my mind, ahead of them on paper. As I look at that lineup that uh, the the Marlins feature right now, uh, some guys are locked in, right? If the Cardinals wanted to move a DH, Soler is going to be the DH in Miami, correct? Correct. Yes, that 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 is correct. So Soler had back trouble last year, Randy, and I, I think they'd like to keep him off his feet as much as they can. Uh, I mean, certainly he could play ten games or twenty games in left field this year. I could see that, but yes, you're right. DH DH, I believe, will be his primary position. Seems to me, and we talked about this last year, Craig. They're looking for a center fielder that can hit. That that seems to be the hole right now. Yes, it remains a year later to yeah. be the old right now. Uh, you know they have they have a kid who uh, who they traded for a couple of years ago named Brian De La Cruz, who I'm sure you guys saw in spring training and then saw a little bit during the regular season too. He was up and down last year and finished strong, and he's sort of the default option right now for them in center field. But I think Randy, in a perfect world, they'd like to have De La Cruz play left field and have a center fielder. But the one thing that I would say to to you and Carrie and everybody else is that. The center field market is very thin. This almost feels like the NFL quarterback market. Mm-hmm. Like every year, there are very few guys out there that can play this position at a high level. And so it's, it's just not as easy as it seems to acquire that kind of player, especially one that can play the position long term. I mean, look at the money Brandon Nimmo got from the Mets and look at the market next year opening up at center field. There really isn't a lot. So either they're going to have to trade for one or. You know, sort of piece it together yet again. You know what's interesting is that, and I know the Marlins probably wouldn't be in the market for a guy like Tyler O'Neill, who has only two years of control left, but Dylan Carlson can certainly play center. Lars Newbar can play center. Jordan Walker's on the way. He can play center. If there is one team that has depth at center field, it's the Cardinals. Yeah, and and I don't think the Cardinals are trading Lars Newbar, but that would either. be the one... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that would be the one player. Yeah, yeah, well, obviously Walker, yeah. But, uh, I mean, mean, Walker, you could help any team right now. Uh, You know, I I think that if the Cardinals would entertain trading Lars Nukar for Pablo Lopez, (laughs) I think that there could be a deal there. But to my knowledge, that's the one guy that could, you know, at least from around baseball and looking at some advanced metrics and things like that, I mean, that, that player could take a huge, huge jump this year in that Cardinals lineup. So, um, yeah, it probably would have to be one of those other guys. And, and I'm not sure that that is a fit. I'm not sure that that matches up with what the Marlins are trying to do. So I guess we'll see. Hey, Craig, we're, we're here in St. Louis, and, and we see the way that the Mets are spending money, and it's, it's mind-blowing. But I, you all are division <laughs> rivals. When you look at how they're spending money, is it just – are you taking it back at times and, and saying, how do you ever catch up to the guys like that? It's, it's a very difficult – deal for Miami in this division. They just have some bad luck with that, and I don't know that they're going to be able to fight that anytime soon. What's interesting is Fangraphs just actually put out their projected payroll on roster resource for 2023, and believe it or not, the Marlins have the fourth biggest payroll increase from last year to this year. So it's like you're, you're sort of playing in a different league, Kerry. It's like mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're playing on, on – on Earth and, and the Marlins are playing on Mars. It's like they, they can't they can't even I don't I don't know are they supposed to double their payroll to two hundred million or one hundred seventy million I don't I don't know what the answer is. So that's what it's kind of like goes back to the same thing is they almost have to have that perfect season like a Cleveland last year or a Tampa Bay in the past you know kind of fighting that that sort of payroll issue that they have. But again I mean they've they've increased the payroll by I believe it's twenty five or thirty percent over last year. And it still pales in comparison to where the Mets are and where, you know, obviously the Phillies are. And then the way the Braves do things, obviously incredible with all the extensions that they've had. Craig Mish with us on 101 ESPN. You can catch Craig on Fantasy Sports Today from 11 to uh, noon, uh, or I'm sorry, 10 a.m. Central Time, 10 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Craig, one more thing, because we talked a lot the year that the Cardinals traded for Marcel Ozuna, and there's a lot of people in St. Louis that are really bothered by the fact that Sandy Alcantara is what he is right now. We, when we go back and we have to look at what happened at day of, was anybody in the Marlins organization foreseeing what Sandy Alcantara has become? No chance. No chance whatsoever. I mean, this is just a, this is a, this is a pitching development story for the Marlins who made him into the player that he is today. I think, Randy, we could double down on that and ask the question, could anybody have seen Zach Gallen? be the pitcher that he exactly, is he right. involved in that deal, too. I mean, you look, you're going to win deals, you're going to lose deals. I, I think in the end, when you look at Mo and Gersh's record, you're going to find that they've won more than they've lost. And I think in the end, this is just one of those L's that you can't really quantify. Uh, but the best organizations are winning more than they're losing. And this is unfortunately one for the Cardinals where I, I think you compounded it back when they made the Rosarina deal, too. Like, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, the Cardinals are losing all these deals. Uh, but in the end, yeah, I, I really don't see it that way. And when you have Goldschmidt and you get Arenado, I mean, I, I feel like they've won those deals too. So uh, this is just the nature of baseball. You win some, you lose some. And then clearly the Marlins made made the best of that one, no doubt. Definitely. Hey, Craig, it's always good to talk to you. You are our go-to for Marlins information and Major League information. You're wonderful. We appreciate your time today. And we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I will speak to you guys, I'm sure, in Jupiter in a month from now. So Absolutely. happy to be on again. Have a great day. Thanks, Greg. Craig Mish, of, he's a contributor for MLB Network. He works for the Miami Herald. And as we mentioned, uh, Fantasy Sports Today from 
10 to 11 a.m. Central Time. So check that out as well. It, I just if you if we were in the division with the Mets and they're spending the way that they're spending, if, what do you how? You know what? Karen, it's got to be frustrating to feel like. Man, we're not going to have an opportunity or a chance if we can't spin that way. And they they won a World Series. Yeah. But they're rolling the dice on a lot of guys. They're rolling the dice on Strider, Mm -hmm. keeping doing what he's doing and staying healthy. Uh, Michael Harris, who had half a year. Riley's solid. They gave him the deal. Ozzie Albee's got a good deal. Acuna. They have their entire lineup signed. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if the Cardinals were going to go to $200 million, if that's how they would get to $200 million. Sign Carlson. Sign Newt Barr. Sign Edmund. Sign Gorman. You've already got your... First and third baseman, maybe well, you've got Contreras under contract. Right. Sign Flaherty, sign Graceffo. I would not be at all surprised if the Cardinals' payroll takes the jump to the two hundred million dollar range, which is where Atlanta is right now. If that's how they would do it, and the the reason why that would probably be the best way, because if you sign them earlier as opposed to as they're approaching free agency, you're going to get them for you. Generally, can sign people for cheaper than you would once they hit the market. So mm-hmm. get them now while they're still here and and younger and still have a few years left. That that makes the most sense to me. It's, it, they did that with with Colton Wong, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. They, that when you make a deal like that, you sign a guy, you kind of put a little bait out there for him. He's not making that much money and you offer him a six-year deal with some numbers behind it. It's not as much as he could get on the open market, but it's enough for him to say, oh, I'm solidified. I'm set for the next five or six years. That's what I want to do. And that's how you get your, that's how you get that payroll up without having to, you have multiple players without having to overpay for one or two guys. And again, you need to evaluate situations properly because Cardinals did that with DeYoung. They did it with Alan Craig. They did it with Stephen Piscotty, they've had some kids that they gave the deals to that didn't work out either. Yeah. But if you have the choice, I mean, $9 million is a drop in the bucket these Correct. days in Major League Baseball. That's what Paul DeYoung's going to make this year. It's worth the gamble. It is. It is. It definitely is. And if it doesn't work out, you bring up a young guy and start it all over again. Yeah, right. <laughs> and as, as Craig told you, and Craig's boots on the ground, and he, he knows that organization as well as anybody. Nobody in that organization saw Sandy Alcantara coming, and nobody in the Cardinal organization saw that either. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, if the Cardinals don't get a starting pitcher, they're probably going to have to lean on Gordon Graceffo. We'll talk about he and another Cardinal minor leaguer next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Um, I haven't seen them live a ton. No, they're definitely on the radar. These are guys that um, our entire staff in the minor league speaks highly of, our scouting department and, and, and Flo and those guys really like. So these are the guys we're talking about that it'll be good to lay eyes on them and, and see them often. They could be a, a nice piece for us when. We'll see. That's the Cardinal skipper, Ali Marmal, talking about Gordon Graceffa, the Cardinal minor league pitcher of the year, and former first-rounder Michael McGreevy, and both could find themselves in the Cardinal rotation this year, CD. When you think about all the injuries the Cardinals have had to their starting pitchers over the years, they've got Dakota Hudson as their number six. They could throw Drew Verhagen in there. They, they could throw Andre Pallante in there. Mm-hmm. But these guys have so much ability, 
it might be that they're the best option when a Cardinal starter gets hurt to put into the rotation. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen it year after year. Someone is going to, I mean, it's just sports. Somebody gets injured. Maybe it's for a week. Maybe it's, you know, 10 days. Hopefully it's not longer than that. But uh, having having good prospects that you trust that, that can come up and, and do some special things, I think is important for this organization. And, and I think the Cardinals have done a really good job of, as I said, scouting, and, and evaluating talent and bringing them up at the right time. My, maybe the last part I, I don't always agree with. I think sometimes guys should come up a little bit sooner. That's a little bit of a frustration for me because I know they want to wait till the, you know, the the clock starts. Mm-hmm. They want to start it a little bit later than than they would initially. But you want to win games, right? So if you want to win games, you got to get guys to play. And if guys are in the minor leagues and they're better or, or prepared, you got to let them bring them up and, and get going. Now, a guy like Jordan Walker is going to come up as a position player and really hasn't had to deal with adversity yet. Graceffo mm-hmm. was spectacular last year in his first eight starts at Peoria. He was uh, he, he had 56 strikeouts in 45 and two-thirds and had an 0.99 ERA. Gets moved up to Springfield, and he's dynamic there in uh, his first few starts for the Redbirds. But then came a little bit of a lull, and sometimes adversity, a lull, can help you out. Yeah, I mean, I just learned to not really change anything. I, I mean, I struggled a little bit and then was thinking about what things I should start to change and talking to guys, and like basically the conclusion I came to is that there's nothing to change and that it's more of a mental side of things. Like, I'm going out there trying to be too perfect, trying to be too fine. I'm not, my head's not all in it. Um, and then I think in September, I kind of just was basically just trying to do attack hitters and just throw, throw it in the zone and, and let them try, try to do damage. But, uh, I mean, it worked out. It sure did. He bounced back in his last three starts, Kerry. He allowed five hits over 16 and two-thirds innings, no runs in his last three starts, and zoomed to Cardinal Minor League Pitcher of the Year. You think pitchers get in trouble when they're trying too hard to not allow hitters to hit the ball or, yep. or trying to stay out of the strike zone? That's when you get in trouble. You're trying to paint the edges, and you're, you're just missing. Sometimes they're going to hit the ball, and but you have to put the ball in a place where it's not hit out of the yard or hit very hard. And I think maybe that's one of the things he's he's learning. You don't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be the perfect pitch every single pitch. You just have to know where it's going and get it there uh, with the velocity or, or with the sink that you want it to have. Now, one thing about Sandy Alcantara, when the Cardinals traded him, he was 6'5 and 190. Now he's 6'5 and 240. Uh, this is, uh, what, four years later. McGreevy... Listed at six four and two ten. So, what's he been doing during the off season? Uh, I'm sorry, Gordon Graceffo. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's lifting, it's eating right, it's it's running, still doing all the conditioning stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a total, it's a total uh, all around kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's the same type of stuff, same type of lifting, a little more uh, speed oriented this year, uh, just because I already I'm already at that weight and I'm kind of focusing on uh, maintaining. And uh, still eating right, still still doing all the agility stuff and uh, strength training too. Movement, movement, yeah. But I'm definitely working on adding a couple more uh, uh, ticks on the on the velo too. Randy, you talked earlier about time flying, and and all I can think is this 22, 22 year old young man. He, he's he's it, it just everything is in front of him. You 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 eat right, you you lift all day, you you work on your body. It's a lot easier when you're twenty two than when you're forty two to to lose or gain weight. Well, it's easier to gain <laughs> weight when you're forty two, but yeah. to to stay in shape and you know understanding that as a young player, working on that aspect of it because all of that 
allows you to continue to stay healthy and fuel your body in the correct way to be able to go out there every fifth day and have your best game. When you're struggling, whether it's physically or, or not taking care of your body with the lifting or, or with the running, it definitely makes it a little bit harder to uh, to to be a professional athlete and to stay and maintain a prof- being a professional athlete. Yeah, he's on his way. And a guy like Michael McGreevy, also 22, also is working on things to get better for 2023. You know, I think every pitcher wants to, I want to throw harder and stuff. So I guess that's always that's always a big thing in offseason planning for pitchers. But kind of cleaning up just mechanics and stuff, some deficiencies that could lead to injuries. So we really want to just make sure we kind of iron those things out. I think the secondary stuff has come along well. Um, I think the pitches are getting sharper. I think the changeup has been the biggest thing that's kind of developed through pro ball. Um, not, like nothing's really changed. It was kind of crazy. I come out of college with just a terrible changeup. I threw maybe five my entire college career, and I get to pro ball, and then all of a sudden it's it's dropping, it's tailing like it's supposed to, and it's, it's happened organically a little bit, and maybe that's just different balls or just kind of picking brains of guys with good changeups. It's kind of I really like where it's at. Now, McGreevy is not, at least at the moment, the swing and miss guy that Gordon Graceffo is. Mm-hmm. 144 and a third innings in uh, 2022, and he struck out 117. Graceffo was more than a strikeout an inning guy. But McGreevy is a big fella, too. 6'4", 215, and he talks about that changeup. That can turn into a strikeout pitch for him. Well, if you can, if that's your your, your secondary pitch, you <laughs> it looks like it's a fastball coming out of hand and it just drops off. He said he only threw five of them in college. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. You know, it, there are so many. The importance of, of developing young players is probably one of the most overlooked thing in sports. I was talking to Dan Lanning yesterday from the, the head coach of Oregon. He was visiting our school, mm-hmm. and he was talking about Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis came. Jordan Davis, first round defensive tackle uh, taken by the Eagles. Jordan Davis came in as a six, uh, 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 six seven freshman offensive lineman and they he said Kirby Smart was looking at me like what are we doing here what is he what is he going to be he's he's not good enough and the the, the 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 development of that player allowed him to groom himself and to become a first round draft pick at defensive line the importance of a guy that didn't throw a pitch in that manner only five times in college and now he's saying well I really like this pitch I can I can have success with this pitch I'm learning how to do it correctly that is development that is someone teaching him and showing him how to do it correctly and how to have success with it and it's going to allow him to have success at the next level yeah he he has a chance and the Cardinals drafted him with the, the idea that he would have a chance to be a really solid innings eating starter can I do one old guy thing you remember the Concern over Y2K. Yeah, Randy, I was, I was, we were at a party thinking everything was going to yeah. shut down. I remember that as a kid. I, every sitcom had an episode at the time. Like I remember, like like the Drew Carey show, Spence, like they all had episodes about like what was going to happen when Y2K happened. Like that's how big it was. Gordon Graceffo was born. March 17th of 2000. Michael McGreevy was born July 8th of 2000. They got to miss that. (laughs) No clue. (laughs) McGreevy and Graceffo, two names to remember among Cardinal pitchers that are on their way to the major leagues. Did we we give uh, McGreevy a nickname? A Little Mac. Little Mac? Yeah. Little Mac. All right. Big Mac. Big Mac. We have a Little Mac already. We got a Big Mac land already. So Big Mac. I thought I thought we had a Little Mac. Uh, Joe McEwing was was Little Mac. uh, He he can stick with Super Joe. Super Joe. Okay. That's all right. All right. There you go. Coming up, we're going to (laughs) talk Blues Predators with our Blues Insider from the Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford. Next on One Hundred and One ESPN. You're back. 
to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Gary Davis, Randy Carricker. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Our Blues Insider from The Athletic is Jeremy Rutherford, who is one of our favorite people in the world because there's nobody nicer on planet Earth than Jeremy Rutherford. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good. I need to change that reputation. Oh, no. <laughs> you, 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 that's, a, that's a reputation you want to maintain, man. <laughs> Except for when... Uh, 99% of the people in life come up to you thinking they're going to walk all over you because Randy told everybody you're nice, right? <laughs> Here's the thing. I didn't, uh, like, people have that perception of me that I'm yeah. a nice guy, and then you get Martin Kilcoyne showing up. You know, no, he's a jerk. He's grabbing Patriots fans by the shirt and telling them to leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, uh, let's start with this, and then we'll get into tonight's game. But wh- what's your read on the return of Vladdy to the lineup? Yeah, he looked pretty good yesterday. I did most of the practice, uh, obviously skating well with it being a hand injury. He's been able to be on the ice. And then uh, he's he's getting some shots off, making some passes yesterday. I took some video and tweeted it uh, at J.P. Rutherford if people didn't see that yesterday. And then he finished up practice on the other side of uh, the rink, uh, so he didn't go through the entire practice. Afterwards, I asked Craig Bruby about him, and he said that he's getting closer. He said Vladdy didn't give him a timetable in terms of what game he's coming back, but he said he's getting closer. So I anticipate you could see him by the end of the, the homestand, if not uh, pretty soon. Hey, Jr., what are your thoughts on the uh, the, the breakup of the line of uh, Bushnevis, Thomas, and Cairo, and also uh, Jake Neighbors moving up, a li- moving up a couple of lines and possibly getting more time on the ice? Yeah, Kerry, it hasn't looked very good the past couple of games. Those top six uh, forwards haven't been producing. Most of the, the effort, the uh, performance has been coming from the bottom six. And we asked Craig Bruby about that yesterday, about the change, and I thought it was a pretty insightful answer. He said that when Buchnevich was playing with Thomas and Cairo lately, he wasn't getting the puck a lot, he wasn't touching the puck a lot, and it was a lot of outside stuff. So what they want to do is put Brandon Saad up on that line. They'll do that tonight with Thomas and Cairo. They think that Saad is a more direct player to the net, and uh, he, they think he'll be better on that line than Buchnevich has been lately. Meanwhile, you got three workers in Buchnevich, Shen, and Neighbors, and so Neighbors gets a promotion. He had a terrific game against Ottawa, and now uh, he's got some chemistry with uh, Braden Shen, and now he'll be on uh, Shen's wing with uh, Buchnevich on the left. Hey, uh, JR, we were talking earlier, and you can tell, Jake, this. We are working on a State Farm commercial for him. Uh, like a good neighbor, <laughs> State Farm is there. Uh, and Jake, the State Farm guy, we, we got something brewing here. So when he does get this commercial and this advertisement going, we need to uh, – Randy and I and Rock need to be in the commercial. We're, we're going to – Oh, yeah. I'm all over it. That is so good. That, that, that is so good. And, you know, for years the Blues have had some guys, Kerry. Uh, you got uh, Petro. I remember being on a, like a media bus with him years ago. And it's like, Petro, how are you not the face of this Petro restaurant, this uh, gas station here yeah. in town? Yeah, Petro Mart. Yeah, and then you got the o- o- O'Reilly, yeah. and then <laughs> and then now you got Jake from State. For this is this is great, like a good neighbor. So yeah, they should definitely be taking advantage of all this stuff. And when there's nothing to monetize, we can come up with Hull and Oats, <laughs> right? But, but when it, when it the- comes to monetizing it, no, we come up a little bit short. <laughs> yeah, still, still got the trapper keeper, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who's a better team right now, the Nashville Predators or the St. Louis Blues? 
You know, it's it's pretty even. I think uh, both of them have had their moments. Uh, we've seen with this Blues situation that, uh, you know, they can play with some of the better teams, uh, but they just can't do it consistently enough. But, you know, interesting you, you bring this up because you look at this next stretch of games here, and, Randy, I look at it, you got Nashville tonight, you got Chicago, then you go Buffalo, Arizona, Colorado, Winnipeg, Arizona, Florida, you know, even a team like Colorado in that mix is a team that scuffled most of the year, still trying to uh, find itself. Yeah, Winnipeg you know, seems Winnipeg, to be the best team in that group, right? I, I went through the entire group, and Winnipeg's the best uh, team in that group right there. And you're talking a stretch of eight games. So let's not call these, quote, you know, winnable, because uh, we've seen that the Blues, even going into, quote, winnable games, you know, just can't play the way that they need to play. But with where the Blues are and the little time left before the trade deadline, you put a stretch of eight games like this on the schedule, and these are games you should be able to compete in, you know, particularly uh, tonight against this Nashville team. So, yeah, I, Predators, I would say, fairly even. They're right there in the mix in the standings with the Blues. But uh, Blues do have a stretch of games here against teams like them that they can beat. Hey, uh, Achari has been showing some flashes for me. What have you seen from him in his play uh, this season? Carrie, to me, you know, you, you have to judge it, I think, on a curve based on uh, what the player's role is. Like, I don't know that you compare a Jordan Cairo and a Noel Achari. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, if you were to if you were to say who are the Blues' top performers this year, who are their quote-unquote MVPs, Achari would have to be in that group, that top group of players, you know, again, with the curve to his role. Uh, I think that uh, what they've gotten from him is a hard, honest effort every night. We knew that he could score some goals. He scored 40 and, or 20 in uh, Florida a couple years ago. And I, I think uh, we saw that effort on that second goal the other night where a lot of players maybe don't put the pressure on that Ottawa Senators defenseman. But he did. He put it on Thomas Chabot, and it forced uh, him to kind of lose the puck. And, and now all of a sudden the puck's floating in front of the net, and he's able to to uh, beat the goalie who whiffs. So, you know, if you don't put in that type of effort, you don't score that type of goal, Achari's been one of the guys who's done that all year, and I put him way on the top of the list of uh, top performers for the Blues this year. That's great. Hey, JR, we talked about Vladdy. The Blues still have another half dozen guys on the injured list. O'Reilly, Perunovic, Krug, Bortuzzo, Brown, Scandella. Any of those guys close? So Craig Burby said yesterday that Tarasenko is the closest. The other guys are more long-term. I can run through them. you got uh, Scandella and Perinovich have been skating. I don't think they're going to come back until after the break. The break's in February. you got the bye. you got the All-Star game. I don't think it'll be until after that. And no, by the way, salary cap problems too, right, With because of the long-term IR with a guy like Scandella? Yeah, definitely. When they bring all these guys back, assuming, you know, sometimes you assume all these guys come back and they don't, somebody else goes out, so on and so forth. But yeah, you will definitely have cap problems trying to bring everybody back. Uh, but you got Scandell and Prinovich that could be after the break. Krug and Bortuzzo are skating. Uh, let's see, Brown skating. Uh, who else do we have? I think O'Reilly. That's about it. O'Reilly, O'Reilly on crutches. Uh, yeah, and he's on crutches. We saw him the other night at the Hall of Fame dinner on crutches. So uh, he's been at the rink, but as far as I know, you know, I don't think uh, with his situation he can get back on the ice yet. Hey, uh, what was your takeaway from that from that Hall of Fame celebration? I thought it was – we were talking to Bernie earlier. I thought the jackets were absolutely amazing, uh, and it seemed like just a, a special event. What were your takeaways from it? Uh, just absolutely amazing. I think, Randy, did you hear, did they say that the guy who uh, did the, the jackets for the Hall of Famers, he also does Dion's jackets? That's I right. Out at, out of Colorado. So, yeah, be nice to get my hands on one of these, but <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's no Hall of Fame that I'll ever be a part of, so I don't anticipate ever wearing a, a jacket as sharp as those. I thought the event was uh, terrific. Uh, sat next to 
to Randy. We were able to uh, shoot the bull all night and, and just kind of reminisce, you know, going back to the years with some of these guys. Uh, Kerry, uh, Randy's a lot older than me, so he was able to tell me about the Solomons. And the <laughs> uh, but we, uh, we we got to talk about a lot of eras of uh, Blues hockey, and I think the Blues pulled it off. 400-plus people in that Missouri Athletic Club and uh, a, a bunch of good one-liners, um, a lot of them from Brett Hall, who seemed to have the microphone a lot. <laughs> JR, you are a Hall of Famer to the opening drive, so there's your. Yeah, you yeah. are a Hall of Famer for us. We We greatly appreciate you every week. All right, now I want that ESPN jacket that I couldn't fit in a couple of weeks ago. Let's get it. I, Mike Ryder, you, we got you. So <laughs> one more story. So we interview Red Berenson, who was the, the coach for one of the best Blues teams ever. When he was coaching, I was in junior high, and his daughters, Kelly and Sandy, were in the same junior high as me. Kelly was the same grade. Sandy was uh, a grade behind. And he's telling me what Kelly is up to and that she's a nurse, I think, in New Mexico or something like that. And uh, so, and we, we part. And I say, yeah, tell him I said hi. So we part. And then Red, Red comes back and we run into each other about five minutes later. And he says, by the way, Kelly's available. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Pretty funny. So, oh, that. So did you tell him that you weren't? Uh, no. <laughs> no, but I, Randy, I, I, Randy. I, figure, I figure that time has passed. Way <laughs> past. But no, uh, pretty funny. Just, you know, a, a father looking out for his daughter like yeah, that. Pretty cool. That is. That's great. JR, you're the man. We appreciate it. And we'll talk again soon. All right. See you, boys. See you later. That's Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Next up, rock and roll. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Got 22 minutes left in the Twitter poll. What do you think of Rock's NBA takes? Horrendous has 67.6% of the vote right now. Solid has 32.4%. You can vote now at Randy Carricker on Twitter or at Rock ESPN on Twitter. Did you text everybody you know? <laughs> he definitely texted I'm, I'm, I'm aware of one biased vote so far in the poll. I'm aware of one biased vote so far in the poll. And uh, Rammer. Rammer's just being honest. He's quoting the sage words of that great American poet, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift. Haters going to hate, 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 hate. Yes. Again, I'm just I'm just saying we, we got a text in here from one guy who said he doesn't like basketball, but he thinks I don't watch the games. Seems like a weird opinion to have if you don't like basketball. We have somebody in the te- or, on Twitter. Or, no, or, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not brokering. No, I'm not even like any kind of argument. And I know that that's wrong. That's, no, see, that's, that's a ridiculous <laughs> argument to make. We also have somebody on Twitter who claims that Arvidas Sabonis slowed down Shaquille O'Neal, and well, the stats do not back up that statement, Randy Carricker. Not quite. Right. Not great. Hey, don't forget 101 ESPN's <laughs> championship bash happening on January 29th at Helen Fitzgerald's. You can join the entire 101 ESPN crew, Car Shield, Bud Light, and David Taylor Ellisville for the AFC and NFC championship games. Tons of TVs, great food and drink. The bash kicks off with a live pregame show at 11 a.m. Hope to see you on the 29th at Helen Fitzgerald's for the championship bash brought to you by Car Shield, Bud Light, and David Taylor Dodge Jeep Ram in Ellisville. Time for Rock 
and roll. Randy, yesterday we talked about the Cardinals' financial situation as reported to us by John Mosaylock and Bill DeWitt Jr. and Bill DeWitt III. So I thought it was interesting that I had two pretty good stories about some other ownerships around Major League Baseball. Let's dive right into them. First of all, this was an interesting clip tweeted out yesterday by Buster Olney. It was a town hall between John Angelos, who is the CEO of the Baltimore Orioles, obviously part of the ownership group there. Uh, In fact, in the part of the clip you don't hear, he talks about how his family owns 60 to uh, 70 percent of the Orioles. He was talking uh, with Dan Connolly at the Athletic. It was a little bit charged because uh, John Angelos didn't appreciate Dan Connolly's questions about the future of the Angelos ownership. But that's not the interesting part. The clip that I thought was great at the very end when John Angelos promised something that really all baseball fans and all Cardinal fans after yesterday's conversation should be interested in. If you can find any garden variety, high value sports team or involvement, you're always going to have some controversy. But I've been very outspoken. I'm very transparent. In fact, in fact, I would invite you and all your colleagues next week, not on Martin Luther King Day. You can come back to this building. You can meet me in this office. I'll take you down on the third floor, and I'll show you the financials of the Orioles. I'll show you the governance of the Orioles. I'll show you everything you want to know, and I'll put all your questions. But today, on MLK Day, I'm not answering any of those more questions. I had to bring up the, the, the overarching answer to this question because you could hear his tone. But nonetheless, we could get a third financials of baseball team out, Randy. No, we, we, would then, we would then have 10% of the league. He sounded like, uh, when he said, I'll take you down to the third floor, mm-hmm. I, I didn't think that that's where that was going. It sounded, I got a little nervous for everyone yeah. that was listening. It, it sounded like, yeah, I'm going, we're going down to the third floor, but I'm coming back. <laughs> it's just going to be me. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think we're going to see those financials. Oh. But the fact that he did offer it, now you get to hold his feet to the fire and say, hey, you said you would do this. And a week's time, I, you know, I'm not going to say you can cook the books in a week's time, but you can cook the books in a week's time and if I you wanted would, to. If I, if I were, <laughs> since, since he gave us time, what I would do is bring an accountant with me. There you go. Hey, bring my guy. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. If, 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 the, if the journalistic, you know, target is going to give you that much time to prep for it, yeah. be prepared. It. Yeah. Well, we could have it. I, listen, it's going to be funny if he backs out of this because... Um, Clearly, the the media around the Orioles is not on great terms mm-hmm. with the Angelos family, including John Angelos, who is obviously extremely perturbed at Dan Connolly, who is one of the, you know a great writer for the Athletic, and you're not going to scare him off by by giving him a little attitude. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually do release it. If they do release it, though. Anytime we can get some kind of shine, and obviously the Baltimore financials would be fascinating to me because of their market placement just behind St. Louis, the fact that they have you know a solid ballpark and they have history behind them, but they don't have the success over the last 20, 30 years behind them. It would be interesting to see how exactly their financials worked and maybe give us a little bit more light, whereas right now working off Toronto and the Braves books is kind of tough when you're talking about the Cardinals. And I would think that just from an effort in trying to field a competitive team on a regular basis standpoint, I would suggest that the Cardinals probably are ahead of the Orioles in that department as well, as much as people might not want to believe it, because we get a little bit myopic. We tend to focus in on the Cardinals. Hey, just go to Baseball Reference and take a look at the Baltimore Orioles since 1986. (laughs) Also, I thought earlier in that clip you didn't hear, but John Angelos, like, kind of like, you know, went around the bases a little bit and was like, listen, nowhere else in baseball history has a team had two number one prospects 
back to back like we did. It's like, well, yeah, it's because you sucked so hard that you were just drafting at the top of the draft. That's yeah, it's you guys didn't completely blow it. But why do you have the option to have such good prospects? See, this is a problem when you have a guy in charge of a team like that, who not only doesn't have a great long term past mm-hmm. in terms of his uh, vision, uh, his long term vision, past vision. All you have to do is look at the Houston Astros with Bregman and Correa, who are the top two, both top two picks, both top two prospects. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have. Yeah. And again, it's because you tanked much like they did. Uh, another uh, athletic writer talking about another, uh, I'll say petulant, petulant owner as C. Trent Rosencrans over the athletic covered an absolutely de- just a horrible press event for Phil Castellini of the Reds. They were, it was an event for, Ro- for, for Rosie. And by the way, if you remember Phil Castellini, he is the son, he is the son of Bob Castellini. He's the Reds owner who last year pretty much told the team before the season started, what are you going to do yep. if we, what are you going to do if we leave? What, you know, watch, watch your, you know, a team that just went to the Super Bowl. Oh, wait. So um, back in 1964, when uh, a name you might have heard, Bill DeWitt uh, was uh, rumored to be moving the team to San Diego. There was a group started called the Reuters Organized to Stimulate Interest and Enthusiasm for the Reds. It's called Rosie. And it's a group that was women's only. It was to, to keep the fan base going. And so they have a they have a, an event for it every year. Phil Castellini stood up in front of that event, gave his speech, and one of the first things he said was, do you guys know that Rosie's an acronym? So he just showed complete <laughs> ignorance for an organization that's been around since 1964 inside of the Reds organization. And then he went on to compare the Reds and how their system works to a nonprofit organization. <laughs> you know, sometimes people are, are not in tuned into where mm-hmm. they are or what's going on or, or the organization that they are a part of. I, I remember one Ron Zook uh, in his opening press conference said, hey, I'm happy to be the head coach of Illinois. And so, you know, sometimes people just don't have a clue as to what really what they're doing, so what they're doing or, or, or the position that they're in. He at one point was talking about the problems around baseball and bemoaning the guaranteed contracts in the sport, asked the collected crowd, does anyone here get paid to not do their job? Hmm. <laughs> At an or like this is supposed to be like a like a you know a, a Reds organization where they where they you know get money together. It's a charity. It's a good organization you know around the city and for the team. And he gets up there to take shots at baseball, compare the Reds to a nonprofit organization, saying they operate just like a five hundred one c. All in all, the the ownership around baseball not doing great outside of all the uh, free agent spending we've been talking about. And listen, these things happen coincidentally right around a conversation we had about the Cardinals ownership. Just, I mean, it just happened to it just happened to happen right around the same time, Randy. It just, yeah, I would just how perfectly that worked out. I, I would urge folks again to look at on-field results. And by the way, the Cardinals are thrilled that the Reds are in the same division. They're thrilled that the Pirates are in the same division because those teams aren't trying. But like I said yesterday, it would be very easy if Bill DeWitt didn't. If he wanted to be like the Reds, if he wanted to be like the Orioles, we could have. Patrick Wisdom at first and Ella Harris Montero at third base right now. Cardinals uh, would have, uh, they could have Andrew Kisner as their catcher heading into the season saying, yeah, Herrera is going to be really good. Hmm. It's it's very easy to do because the Reds and Pirates are doing it. If that's what you'd prefer, if you don't like this ownership, 
Become a Reds <laughs> fan for a year. Become there, a Pirates fan for a year. There is so much room to actually give legitimate criticism to the Cardinals yeah. and how they're going in the season. Listen, we talked about it yesterday. Do they have any kind of plan B? And is that plan B good enough if all these plan A's, which have supposed to work over the last two years and haven't, don't work? These are leg- plenty of legitimate things to criticize the Cardinals for. Yeah. I just think it crosses yeah. over to a point where it's like you have to realize the business they're in and the other owners and the way they're operating. This isn't Oakland. This isn't Baltimore. And again, that's not enough. Right. And by the way, it's it, it's it was far from it. that was that was a bad comp for me. Maybe the thing to do is to become a Yankees fan, where they are doing <laughs> what you a want lot them. Of money, they're, they're doing what you want them to do. Yeah, I, eh, we're, we're Cardinal fans, Randy. We're gonna stay here. Stay uh, right I, here. I don't think everybody is. I think everybody's. Uh, you don't they're, think they're, they're fans, they're, or you don't think? I mean, because I think they're fans. Yeah. I think there's just a level yeah. of frustration. Yeah, be, it's be, spoiled. Well, that's we're, the thing is, yeah, that's uh, odds are that you should win every thirty once every thirty years, right? There's we, thirty teams. We would prefer you win every year, though. That's the preference. <laughs> but the odds are right with thirty teams in the league or in both leagues that you're going to win once every thirty years. This, yeah. So the last time you won, well, just go back 30 years, right? 2022, let's see, 92, 02, 12, 22. So they've won a couple of times. So they've won two. And they've been to the World Series since, what, 02, in 04, in 06, in 11, and 13. So anyway, that's the way it is. It's, it's not changing, I'll tell you that. And we again, can, how baseball we can say goes. all we want about ownership and the general manager and the Bobo. It ain't changing. And the Orioles ownerships over here, you know, clapping their hands and slapping their backs Mm -hmm. because they had two top prospects back-to-back years. The Cardinals traded for and made moves for two All-Pros, one of whom was pretty much already a Hall of Famer in two out of three years. It's not not, not half bad when you talk about the the dichotomy between these two organizations and patting themselves on the back for two moves. When Anheuser-Busch sold the Cardinals to the DeWitt ownership, they were pretty close to taking the Cardinals where... The Angelos family has taken the Orioles and the Castellini ownership has taken the Reds. That's where they were headed. So maybe the thing to do is to thank the DeWitt family Whoa. rather than denigrate them. <laughs> Whoa, no. Whoa. Whoa now, Randy. Whoa. Whoa there. a little far. All right. Well, it, those were two great former fan bases, right? They were great baseball towns that won a lot. Historic. Yeah. Especially it, in you, baseball. It's hard, to, it's hard to blow it when you have years and years of history to lean on. Yeah. And yet they found a way, they both found a way to do it. Yep. Hey, we're heading down the stretch of this edition of the opening drive coming up. What's on tap as we head towards a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, we got to, uh, we got to get the, the poll results here. How's the poll result doing? We, how is it doing? Uh, uh, people are wondering how I cooked the books to even get this result. I I, I got a tweet here. I people mean, people are text wondering here how how that that is <laughs> solid. You <laughs> <laughs> see, once we get these uh these results, where where we are in the standings. Last I checked, it was sixty eight percent for horrendous, I believe, and maybe it is. Yeah, it's sixty eight to thirty two. With four minutes left. Sixty-eight percent say horrendous. Thirty-two uh, percent say solid. Well, the the texter here says, "Does Rock really have eighty-five members in his family?" Because clearly, eighty around eighty-five people voted for for solid, and then goes on to say that Rock getting that many votes explains why the NBA keeps passing on St. Louis. Rock, you've been blamed for for the NBA well, not go. even yep. being in St. Louis. Totally the reason. With these takes of yours, we got to do better. 
I, I mean, that's. I feel like that's a little harsh. <laughs> I, I've been trying to pump it up. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here trying to get NBA talk on 101 ESPN, and, and I'm being blamed for it. They said the absurd takes are the reason why we, we keep getting passed over. Ah, uh, yes. The N- NBA fandom, a bastion of rationality. <laughs> hey, Bill Laurie owned the Vancouver Grizzlies. The league said to Bill Laurie in 2000, you got to keep him in Vancouver for a year, and then you can do whatever you want. If you want to move to St. Louis and your Savas Center, go ahead, but you got to keep him in Vancouver for a year. And Laurie balked, said, nope, I don't want to wait a year. I want to move him immediately. And so he had actually bought them. He uh, he bailed on the sale, and that's when Michael Heisley bought them, mm. waited a year, and then moved mm. the Grizzlies to Memphis. So disappointing because that one year they established some great jerseys that they now that are now like some of the best throwbacks in the NBA. That's all you had to do was sit one year, establish yep. some great jerseys for throwbacks, and and here we are. Let's go. Yeah, it would have been easy. Oh, God, that's a shame, it. isn't it? That's mm. a huge. Mm. That's a huge bummer. Yeah. Although it's very disappointing. If you think I'm mad about the Paul Gasol deal now? Imagine if that would have been oh the my. St. Louis team. So one of the other legend, and I don't know how this ever got out, but I, I, I've heard the story, so it's a legend, okay? Okay. It might be a tall tale for all I know. But Bill Laurie also had a deal to purchase the Pepsi Center, now the Ball Center, the Avalanche and the Nuggets before he purchased the Blues. And it was a corporate ownership that he was buying from. The corporation came in, and I think it was he was going to buy him for like $600 million. Mm-hmm. Corporation said, no, we're really undervaluing these properties. We've got to get more for them. And his wife is uh, Nancy Laurie, Nancy, uh, part of the Walton family, Nancy okay. Walton Laurie, Ann Cronkey's sister, Ann Walton Cronkey's sister. So Laurie uh, doesn't do the deal for more money. Stan swoops in, gets him for $750 million, and allegedly, according to legend, said at the Thanksgiving table, that's how you close a deal. <laughs> I don't know how anybody, I heard the story, I don't know if it's true or not, but I, hope and I don't know how true. anybody would have found it out. But it's pretty good. You think there's a, we diving over the table when you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. No doubt about it. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rockia. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, CD, this is fun. And we'll do it again tomorrow. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Left in the Twitter poll, what do you think of Rock's NBA takes? Horrendous has 67.6% of the vote right now. Solid has 32.4%. You can vote now at Randy Carricker on Twitter or at Rock ESPN on Twitter. Did you text everybody you know? <laughs> he definitely texted Ram. I'm aware of one biased vote so far in the poll. I'm aware of one biased vote so far in the poll. And uh, Rammer. Rammer's just being honest. He's quoting the sage words of that great American poet, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift. Haters going to hate, 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 hate. Yes.
Again, I'm just, I'm just saying, we, we got a text in here from one guy who said he doesn't like basketball, but he thinks I don't watch the games. Seems like a weird opinion to have if you don't like basketball. We have somebody in the te- or, on Twitter. Or, no, or, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not brokering. No, I'm not even like basketball, kind of and I know that that's wrong. That's, no, see, that's, that's a ridiculous <laughs> argument to make. We also have somebody on Twitter who claims that Arvidas Sabonis slowed down Shaquille O'Neal, and, well, the stats do not back up that statement, Randy Kerriker. Not quite. Right. Not great. Hey, don't forget 101 ESPN's <laughs> championship bash happening on January 29th at Helen Fitzgerald's. You can join the entire 101 ESPN crew, Car Shield, Bud Light, and David Taylor Ellisville for the AFC and NFC championship games. Tons of TVs, great food and drink. The bash kicks off with a live pregame show at 11 a.m. Hope to see you on the 29th at Helen Fitzgerald's for the championship bash brought to you by Car Shield, Bud Light, and David Taylor Dodge Jeep Ram in Ellisville. Time for Rock and Roll. Randy, yesterday we talked about the Cardinals' financial situation as reported to us by John Mosaylock and Bill DeWitt Jr. and Bill DeWitt III. So I thought it was interesting that I had two pretty good stories about some other ownerships around Major League Baseball. Let's dive right into them. First of all, this was an interesting clip tweeted out yesterday by Buster Olney. It was a town hall between John Angelos, who is the CEO of the Baltimore Orioles, obviously part of the ownership group there. Uh, in, in fact, in the part of the clip you don't hear, he talks about how his family owns 60 to uh, 70% of the Orioles. He was talking uh, with Dan Connolly at the Athletic. It was a little bit charged because uh, John Angelos didn't appreciate Dan Connolly's questions about the future of the Angelos ownership, but that's not the interesting part. The clip that I thought was great at the very end when John Angelos promised something that really all baseball fans and all Cardinal fans after yesterday's conversation should be interested in. You can find any garden variety, high value sports team, or involvement, you're always going to have some controversy. But I've been very outspoken. I'm very transparent. In fact, in fact, I would invite you and all your colleagues next week, not on Martin Luther King Day. You can come back to this building. You can meet me in this office. I'll take you down on the third floor, and I'll show you the financials of the Orioles. I'll show you the governance of the Orioles. I'll show you everything you want to know, and I'll put all your questions. But today, on MLK Day, I'm not answering any of those more questions. I had to bring up the, the, the overarching answer to this question because you could hear his tone. But nonetheless, we could get a third financials of baseball team out, Randy. No, we, we, would, then, we <laughs> would then have 10% of the league. He sounded like, uh, when he said, I'll take you down to the third floor, I, I didn't think that that's where that was going. It sounded, I got a little nervous for everyone yeah. that was listening. It, it sounded like, yeah, I'm going, we're going down to the third floor, but I'm coming back. <laughs> it's just going to be me. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think we're going to see those financials. Oh. But the fact that he did offer it, now you get to hold his feet to the fire and say, hey, you said you would do this, and a week's time, I, you know, I'm not going to say you can cook the books in a week's time, but you can cook the books in a week's time and if I you wanted would, to. If I, if I were, <laughs> since, since he gave us time, what I would do is bring an accountant with me. There you go. Hey, bring my guy. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. If, 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 the, if the journalistic, you know, target is going to give you that much time to prep for it, yeah. be prepared. It. Yeah. Well, we could have it. I, I, listen. It's going to be funny if he backs out of this because um, clearly the the media around the Orioles is not on great terms mm-hmm. with the Angelos family, including John Angelos, who is obviously extremely perturbed at Dan Connolly, who is one of the, you know a great writer for the Athletic, and you're not going to scare him off by by giving him a little attitude. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually do release it. If they do release it, though. 
anytime we can get some kind of shine, and obviously the Baltimore financials would be fascinating to me because of their market placement just behind St. Louis, the fact that they have you know a solid ballpark and they have history behind them, but they don't have the success over the last 20, 30 years behind them. It would be interesting to see how exactly their financials worked and maybe give us a little bit more light. Whereas right now, working off Toronto and the Braves books is kind of tough when you're talking about the Cardinals. And I would think that just from an effort in trying to field a competitive team on a regular basis standpoint, I would suggest that the Cardinals probably are ahead of the Orioles in that department as well, as much as people might not want to believe it, because we get a little bit myopic. We tend to focus in on the Cardinals. Hey, just go to Baseball Reference and take a look at the Baltimore Orioles since 1986. (laughs) Also, I thought earlier in that clip you didn't hear, but John Angelos, like, kind of like, you know, went around the bases a little bit and was like, listen, nowhere else in baseball history has a team had two number one prospects back-to-back like we did. It's like, well, yeah, it's because you sucked so hard that you were just drafting at the top of the draft. That's, yeah, it's, you guys didn't completely blow it, but why do you have the option to have such good prospects? This is a problem. When you have a guy in charge of a team like that who not only doesn't have a great long-term past Mm -hmm. in terms of his his long-term past vision, all you have to do is look at the Houston Astros with Bregman and Correa, who are the top two, both top two picks, both top two prospects. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have. Yeah, and again, it's because you tanked much like they did. Yeah. Uh, another uh, athletic writer talking about another, uh, I'll say petulant, petulant owner as C. Trent Rosencrans over the Athletic covered an absolutely de- just a horrible press event for Phil Castellini of the Reds. They were, it was an event for, Ro- He's for, got it out. for Rosie. And by the way, if you remember Phil Castellini, he is the son, he is the son of Bob Castellini. He's the Reds owner who last year pretty much told the team before the season started, what are you going to do yep. if we, what are you going to do if we leave? What, you know, watch, watch your, you know, a team that just went to the Super Bowl. Oh, wait. So um, back in 1964, when uh, a name you might have heard, Bill DeWitt uh, was uh, rumored to be moving the team to San Diego. There was a group started called the Rooters Organized to Stimulate Interest and Enthusiasm for the Reds. It's called Rosie. And it's a group that was women's only. It was to, to keep the fan base going. And so they have a they have a, an event for it every year. Phil Castellini stood up in front of that event, gave his speech, and one of the first things he said was, do you guys know that Rosie's an acronym? So he just showed complete <laughs> ignorance for an organization that's been around since 1964 inside of the Reds organization. And then he went on to compare the Reds and how their system works to a nonprofit organization. You know, sometimes people are, are not in tuned into where mm-hmm. they are or what's going on or, or the organization that they are a part of. I, I remember one Ron Zook uh, in his opening press conference said, hey, I'm happy to be the head coach of Illinois. And so, (laughs) you know, sometimes people just don't have a clue as to what really what they're doing, so what they're doing or, or, or the position that they're in. He at one point was talking about the problems around baseball and bemoaning the guaranteed contracts in the sport, asked the collected crowd, does anyone here get paid to not do their job? Hmm. <laughs> At an or like this is supposed to be like a, like a you know a, a Reds organization where they where they you know get money together. It's a charity. It's a good organization you know around the city and for the team. And he gets up there to take shots at baseball, compare the Reds to a nonprofit organization, saying they operate just like a five hundred one c. All in all, the the ownership around baseball not doing great outside of all the uh, free agent spending we've been talking about. And listen, these things happen coincidentally right around a conversation we had about the Cardinals ownership. 
Just, I mean, it just happened to it just happen to happen right around the same time, Randy. It just yeah, I would just, how perfectly that worked out. I, I would urge folks again to look at on-field results. And by the way, the Cardinals are thrilled that the Reds are in the same division. They're thrilled that the Pirates are in the same division because those teams aren't trying. But like I said yesterday, it would be very easy if Bill DeWitt didn't, if he wanted to be like the Reds, if he wanted to be like the Orioles, we could have Patrick Wisdom at first and Ella Harris Montero at third base right now. Cardinals uh, would have, uh, they could have Andrew Kisner as their catcher heading into the season saying, yeah, Herrera is going to be really good. Hmm. It's it's very easy to do because the Reds and Pirates are doing it. If that's what you'd prefer, if you don't like this ownership, become a Reds <laughs> fan for a year. Become there, a Pirates fan for a year. There is so much room to actually give legitimate criticism to the Cardinals yeah. and how they're going into the season. Listen, we talked about it yesterday. Do they have any kind of plan B? And is that plan B good enough if all of these plan A's, which have supposed to work over the last two years and haven't, don't work? These are leg- plenty of legitimate things to criticize the Cardinals for. Yeah. I just think it crosses yeah. over to a point where it's like you have to realize the business they're in and the other owners and the way they're operating. This isn't Oakland. This isn't Baltimore. And again, that's not enough. Right. And by the way, it's it, it's it was from it. that was that was a bad comp for me. Maybe the thing to do is to become a Yankees fan, <laughs> where they are doing <laughs> what you a want lot them. Of money, but they're, not. they're doing what you want them to do. Yeah, I, eh, we're, we're Cardinal fans, Randy. We're gonna stay here. Stay right here. I don't think everybody is. I think everybody's. Uh, you don't think they're, they're fans, they're, or you don't think? I mean, because I think they're fans. Yeah. I think there's just a level yeah. of frustration. Yeah, be, it's be, spoiled. Well, that's we're, the thing is. Yeah, that's. Uh, odds are that you should win every thirty once every thirty years, right? There's we would, thirty teams. We would prefer you win every year, though. That's the preference. <laughs> but the odds are right with thirty teams in the league or in both leagues that you're going to win once every thirty years. This, yeah. So the last time you won, well, just go back 30 years, right? 2022, let's see, 92, 02, 12, 22. So they've won a couple of times. So they've won two. And they've been to the World Series since, what, 02, in 04, in 06, in 11, and 13. So anyway, that's the way it is. It's it's not changing. I'll tell you that. And again, we can say all we want about ownership and the general manager and the Bobo. It ain't changing. And the Orioles ownerships over here, you know, clapping their hands and slapping their backs mm-hmm. because they had two top prospects back-to-back years. The Cardinals traded for and made moves for two All-Pros, one of whom was pretty much already a Hall of Famer in two out of three years. It's not, not, not half bad when you talk about the, the, the dichotomy between these two organizations and patting themselves on the back for two moves. When Anheuser-Busch sold the Cardinals to the DeWitt ownership, they were pretty close to taking the Cardinals where... The Angelos family has taken the Orioles, and the Castellini ownership has taken the Reds. That's where they were headed. So maybe the thing to do is to thank the DeWitt family Whoa. rather than denigrate them. <laughs> Whoa, no. Whoa, no, Randy. Whoa. That's Whoa there. a little far. All right. Well, it, those were two great former fan bases, right? They were great baseball towns that won a lot. Historic. Yeah. Especially it, in baseball. It's hard, to, it's hard to blow it when you have years and years of history to lean on. Yeah. And yet they found a way, they both found a way to do it. Yep. Hey, we're heading down the stretch of this edition of the opening drive coming up. What's on tap as we head towards a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, we got to, uh, we got to get the, the poll results here. How's the poll result doing? How is it doing? Uh, uh, people are wondering how I cooked the books to even get this result. I I, I got a tweet here. I people mean, a are text wondering here how how that that 
is <laughs> solid. Let <laughs> me see once we get these uh, these results where where we are in the standings. Last I checked, it was sixty eight percent for horrendous, I believe, and maybe it is. Yeah, it's sixty eight to thirty two. With four minutes left. 68% say horrendous, uh, 32% say solid. Well, the the texter here says, does Rock really have 85 members in his family? Because clearly around 85 people voted for for solid. And then goes on to say that Rock getting that many votes explains why the NBA keeps passing on St. Louis. Rock, you've been blamed for for the NBA well, not go. even yep. being in St. Louis. Totally the reason. With these takes of yours. We got to do better. I mean, that's. I feel like that's a little harsh. <laughs> I, I've been trying to pump it up. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here trying to get NBA talk on 101 ESPN, and, and I'm being blamed for it. They said the absurd takes are the reason why we, we keep getting passed over. Ah, uh, yes. The N- NBA fandom, a bastion of rationality. <laughs> hey, Bill Laurie owned the Vancouver Grizzlies. The league said to Bill Laurie in 2000, you got to keep him in Vancouver for a year, and then you can do whatever you want. If you want to move to St. Louis and your Savas Center, go ahead, but you got to keep him in Vancouver for a year. And Laurie balked, said, nope, I don't want to wait a year. I want to move him immediately. And so he had actually bought them. He uh, he bailed on the sale, and that's when Michael Heisley bought them, mm. waited a year, and then moved mm. the Grizzlies to Memphis. So disappointing because that one year they established some great jerseys that they now that are now like some of the best throwbacks in the NBA. That's all he had to do was sit one year, establish yep. some great jerseys for throwbacks, and and here we are. Let's go. Yeah, it would have been easy. Oh, God, that's a shame, it. isn't it? That's mm. a huge. Mm. That's a huge bummer. Yeah. Although it's very disappointing. If you think I'm mad about the Paul Gasol deal now? Imagine if that would have been oh the my. St. Louis team. So one of the other legend, and I don't know how this ever got out, but I, I, I've heard the story, so it's a legend, okay? Okay. It might be a tall tale for all I know. But Bill Laurie also had a deal to purchase the Pepsi Center, now the Ball Center, the Avalanche and the Nuggets before he purchased the Blues. And it was a corporate ownership that he was buying from. The corporation came in, and I think it was he was going to buy him for like $600 million. Mm-hmm. Corporation said, no, we're really undervaluing these properties. We've got to get more for them. And his wife is uh, Nancy Laurie, Nancy, uh, part of the Walton family, Nancy okay. Walton Laurie, Ann Cronkey's sister, Ann Walton Cronkey's sister. So Laurie uh, doesn't do the deal for more money. Stan swoops in, gets him for $750 million, and allegedly, according to legend, said at the Thanksgiving table, that's how you close a deal. <laughs> I don't know how anybody, I heard the story, I don't know if it's true or not, but I, and I don't know how anybody true. would have found it out, but it's pretty good. You think there's a, we're diving over the table when you... Oh, when yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, right, no doubt about it. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, CD, this is fun. And we'll do it again tomorrow. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.